Well, hello there. It is Glenn Clark Radio. So I would be Glenn Clark. Griffin is here as well. Much to do on a Monday edition of the program. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, our buddy Obafemi Ayambadejo is going to join us. Former Ravens Super Bowl champion. Get his thoughts on a uh, eh, victory. They won against the Broncos yesterday. Jeremy Kahn will join us a little bit later on. Also, um, former Chargers team doctor. Now uh, you see him pro football doc. I think he was with OutKick as well. Dr. David Chow will check in with us. We'll talk to him about the Lamar Jackson situation. What 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 exactly happened there? Like, what what's going on? And, of course, I know we're all very comforted by the idea that it could be days to weeks for Lamar Jackson, but whatever. It's not season-ending, according to John Harbaugh, and that does at least salvage the season for now. Um, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, I yelled. I yelled on the radio yesterday. I didn't need to yell. Had somebody who called in who said that uh, John Harbaugh needed to be held accountable. And I said, held a- they're 8-4. and four. And then I just kind of lost my mind. Just kind of lost my mind from there. And... Um, you know, I said it on Twitter. I don't. I don't need to yell. That they, they could have had a reasonable conversation, and I was trying to have some reasonable conversations. Th- there is a camp of people, and I know that Ken Zalis has been chief among them. There's a camp of people that believe that they figured it out, and that John Harbaugh is the reason why the Ravens haven't won more Super Bowls. Um, you know, it's of course not based in any reality. It's just kind of an opinion, and everybody has an opinion, and everybody's right got a right to have an opinion. Um, as you know, the, we we don't do our shows based on wild speculation. Like we try to base them on far more legitimate thought and reasonable opinion. Um, that's the way that we we I do this, and that's the reason why it's not for some people. I mean, some people just really want to live in the world of this is my take, and that's my take, and that's sort of the end of it. It kind of doesn't matter what it's based on. Let me let me cut through it. One, it's absurd to be talking about firing a coach that's the coach of an eight and four football team, no matter what any other circumstances are. It's absurd. Like you, you honestly seek help to the person that stood outside the stadium yesterday, and I'm not going to share the video because I don't want this person getting more attention. I don't like sharing it even to dunk on him. The person that stood outside the uh, the stadium yesterday to curse at Greg Roman, seek help you are detached from reality i am worried about you i am worried about the harm that you could do yourself or someone else because of your detachment from reality seek help this is not flip this is very legitimate if you don't understand why you shouldn't be doing that type of thing I need you to seek help. Talk to someone. I, I, it, whatever you need it to be, a priest, a shaman, a, a psychiatrist, a counselor, seek help. Now, I get the actual feeling. 
I get where we are. And I'm writing about it at PressBoxOnline.com today. What happened yesterday with the Ravens, there's two perspectives. The first perspective is they probably should have lost that game. They figured out somehow, some way, a way to win it. And if they get Lamar Jackson back, which we think they will, that matters. It matters they won yesterday. Because it gives them a chance to keep things alive. The other perspective that comes from that is the way that this has gone on the whole for the three weeks coming out of the bye. That for the two weeks going into the bye, the Ravens look like a viable Super Bowl contender. The opponents weren't much to sneeze at, but they were road games against teams alive that had reason to compete that are still both alive going into Monday Night Football tonight because that division stinks. And the Ravens dominated. They imposed their will. They played the style of football that we assumed they wanted to play, which is why they brought Greg Roman back. The team that we've seen for the three weeks following the bye, while they've still won the time of possession battle in all three games, it's by significantly smaller margins. They went from winning by 16 minutes to winning by four or five. They've won two of the games. Neither one of them were pretty. The third one they lost. The team that we've seen for the three weeks coming out of the bye does not look like a team that is a viable Super Bowl contender. And no, it's not all yesterday on the fact that Lamar Jackson got hurt. Yes, no doubt. Before he got hurt, they weren't doing anything offensively either. And more troublesome than anything in the context of what they've done is, as I keep discussing, they don't have multiple paths to victory. They have a very small margin for error. They have to run the ball. They have to run the ball well. And in the last two games, their running backs have run for three yards a clip. I guess I should say carry. I guess clip doesn't actually... I mean, some people use clip to describe a game. They've run for more than three yards a game. They've run for three yards per carry. If that's what the Ravens are going to do, they're hopeless. There's no getting around that. There is no other path. They got away yesterday with throwing the ball a bunch underneath with Tyler Huntley because they were playing the Denver Broncos. But we all know they can't do that to beat the the best teams in the AFC. Their path has to involve a dominant run game and Lamar Jackson being superhuman. And Lamar Jackson hasn't looked superhuman and the run game hasn't been dominant. Again, you could say it's miraculous that they've somehow won two games and been within a point in the other despite that. They don't, they don't have other things. It's, it's incredible, frankly. 
But I understand. I understand the feeling that a number of Ravens fans are having, including the gentleman who set me off yesterday, is more like we can see the future. This doesn't work. Now, there's two kind of ways to look at that. The first way to look at that is to say, and this is the appropriate thing to say, you can't skip ahead. I talk about this constantly. You can't skip ahead. Life doesn't work that way. You might feel as though it's sort of a fait accompli, but you don't know that. The Ravens still have five weeks of the regular season, and whatever might happen if they get into the postseason, and it's reasonable to still assume that they will, to figure out if they can make this work. It seems unlikely to the standard of winning a Super Bowl. But I don't know if that's the individual standard. I don't know how much our opinion changes if they get in and they beat two really good teams. It's complicated by the questions surrounding Greg Roman. We have no idea how that's going to play out. We have no idea if he's going to take the Stanford job if he does, do the Ravens say to him, you know what, actually, go right ahead. We don't need you to stick around. Is there some bizarro world where they would have said, dude, if you can't run the ball, you, we got to go. We got to do something else. We... They're not going to do that while he's trying to get a head coaching job. It's complicated. It's a very complicated layer of the equation. We have to let this play out. Once it's played out, I do think there's reasonable conversations to have. If the Ravens, you know, make it in, lose their first playoff game again, something like that, we're going to have conversations. Suggesting that somehow this is all the fault of John Harbaugh is asinine. There's no way of getting around it. There's nothing you can say. You can regurgitate the they've won one playoff game in eight years thing until you die. You can't make this the singular fault of John Harbaugh that everything else has gone well, and if it weren't for John Harbaugh, the Ravens would have won more playoff games and more Super Bowls. You can't do that. It's just an easy number to throw out without context because it backs up your own narrative. You've decided that... John Harbaugh is the problem for whatever reason. You don't like him. You don't, whatever it is. I don't know. But if you've decided that, then that number is very helpful for your narrative. So you just toss it out there. And I know because you guys love tossing it out there. This, this is helpful for what I want to believe the facts are. So I'm going to use it. I'm going to write today at pressboxonline.com. And it's interesting because someone and I were going back and forth about this this morning on Twitter, and ultimately we're not terribly far apart. I mean, it, there's still the absurdity. I mean, I think it was um, Rob who was still trying to tell me about James Prochet. For F's sake. We have, a, we have a sickness. I've talked about it. We have this Steve Smith sickness that, that reigns over us. Steve Smith thinks James Prochet is a good wide receiver. So it's the, the Ravens have screwed up by not using James Prochet. 
we, we have to do something. We have to somehow cleanse ourselves of this thing that Steve Smith holds over us because we stop using our brains. Someone shout out the stat approche. He has 55 receiving yards, five penalties, and now an interception on the season. Hell of a year. Yeah. Again, the standard is the Ravens have failed because a sixth-round draft pick hasn't turned out to be a quality football player. Which, by the way, if that's the standard, I would assume that no one in the league would be able to have a job. Do you know of a team where all of their sixth-round draft picks have hit? I mean, if you know of one... I would love for you to tell me who would still be employed if we held them to the standard of sixth-round draft picks. We are so drunk on Steve Smith. It, it almost, and this is the shame, I like Steve Smith, but I end up not liking him because of how idiotic we are when we talk about him. I hate that. I genuinely hate that. Because I don't dislike Steve Smith. I dislike the power he wields over all of us. Like, it's just insanity. Well, Steve Smith said this, so it's obviously Bible. Why? Why? In what world? Remember, uh, as my former producer said, Steve Smith said Antoine Wesley was a rock star. So, (laughs) as it's been proven... Antoine Wesley has turned out to be a complete rock star, right? That's that's a thing. God. So like if you start your sentence with Steve Smith, I'm at the point where I'm just gonna have to mute you. Like I I can't. I can't any longer. This is not a thing. Steve Smith said blank isn't an argument. Anyway. My point being that I do think that if this ends up falling short, if this, what we see in the last three weeks, is a preview of what's to come for the Baltimore Ravens, then the entire organization is going to have to sit down and kind of have a come to Jesus about their philosophy, not John Harbaugh's philosophy. And I I don't know how to say this. If you need me to report this to you, I'll say I'm reporting it to you, but I can't believe that I need that. We have all of the evidence in the world. John Harbaugh is not wielding power over the rest of the organization to say, we're going to be this type of football team no matter what you say. Like, the thought process of that is bat-ass. The organization, the leadership of this organization has been in lockstep. The best way for them to win is to try to be a team that runs the ball. They believe it for a number of reasons. They believe it based on what the rest of the league was doing. They believe it based on the weather in the AFC North late in the year. They have believed it for a very long time. For the overwhelming history of the organization, as many of you reasonably think, it predates John Harbaugh's arrival. He kind of fit in with what they believed before he got here. This is absurd, this thing where we think this is John Harbaugh wielding his power to make it this way. It's nonsense. Which doesn't mean that there haven't been times where John Harbaugh's opinion hasn't been relevant even in personnel decisions. John Harbaugh is a respected part of the leadership trust of this team. But in no world is he controlling everything It's not even Belichickian. And Belichick still has to answer to an owner. He still has to answer to other people. John Harbaugh doesn't even have that amount of power. 
In fact, it's significantly different. The Ravens had to give more power to make sure Eric DaCosta stuck around given the number of jobs he had the opportunity to take. Which also doesn't mean that it's singularly Eric DaCosta's decision either. I don't know how many times to say this is an organizational philosophy. But to the point, and I'll write it today, what I am in agreement with is if this fails, that this season ends, they have to sit down as a leadership team and decide about the future of their philosophy. And I am in agreement that it's time. It's time for a new philosophy if they can't make it work this year. I'm in agreement. If they can figure out a way to make it work, they will definitely leave a lot of us with egg on our face. There'll be worse things on my face. I'm going to have to put on a skin-tight bodysuit and a uh, Speedo. I guess that doesn't go on my face, although... Um, that's, that's the reality of it. We agree about that part. The organizational philosophy of devaluing wide receiver is why they're here. You can yell about Greg Roman. You can yell about whatever you want to yell about. The reason why they're in this situation where they don't have a greater margin for error is because they've decided, on the whole, this is the best thing for us to do. And here we are. Now, I'm not a throw-out-the-baby-with-the-bathwater guy. I'm not a... I, I referenced in a, a tweet conversation, I referenced Randy Edsel. I'm not a, hey, I, the, when we talk about the standard and we say things like, well, they could win more playoff games. The standard is very good. The standard is being competitive every year. So I'm not in favor of tossing that standard out in hopes that doing something different will definitely prove to also be better. I think that's nuts. But you do. You need to walk in. And somebody has to be the one to say the philosophy's got to change if this doesn't work. And if anybody's not on board with it, then I don't think that they can continue to be a part of it. I have no problem saying that. But one, you got to let the season play out. They did win yesterday. <laughs> like, they did. It happened. I understand if you spent money to go out and watch that, you don't feel like it was worth it. I don't have to tell you. There's a lot of things I spent money on in my life that I didn't feel like it was worth it afterwards. I mean, I've gone to a lot of movies. I, I, I've, like, I've done this a few times. I saw the band Godsmack in concert. I'm good. Not worth the money. I mean, they were fine. I'm not really trying to okay. go to war with Godsmack. They were, they, they were fine. Like, they are definitely for someone. It's just, I don't know. I, I was not particularly into it. Not my, I, you know what? I can definitely tell you I walked out on the band Three Doors Down once. Swear to God, the Three Doors Down and Fuel played at the Towson Center when I was a, I want to say maybe, I, we were trying to figure out the date because my buddy, John, John Proctor thinks he also went to the show. Um, we were talking about it last week. And I was like, dude, I, was, I went to this show, Fuel open for Three Doors Down. We were all into Fuel, and then Three Doors Down started playing, and me and my buddy looked at each other like, what is this? What are we doing here? As we just left. Not worth the money spent. These things happen. There are times where it's not worth the money spent. It's the risk that you take. Today's show also brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. 
It is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for smoking, grilling, searing, baking, all kinds of food. You can save $100 when you use the code TAILGATE at ginsugrills.com. Joining us now, um, this man, a Super Bowl champion, a man I have long respected. I'm going to get his thoughts on what's going on with the Ravens right now. He is our friend, Mr. Obafemi Ion Badejo, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Femi, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up as always, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. What's up, Glenn? How are you, brother? It's been a minute. It's been way too long. It's been entirely too long. It's great to hear your voice, my friend. Um, You know how this goes, right? It's funny because I kind of joked on Twitter yesterday, like if fans can't handle this, imagine how they would have handled the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about that too as well. You know what I mean? I think real quickly just to draw a little comparison, you know, um, I think when you look at – the drought we went through in regard to touchdowns. Now, obviously, this defense is not the 2000 defense, but um, I don't think the 2000 defense or the 85 Bears defense, you'll never see anything like it again because of the way the rules are set up. And just the skill players. Oh, no, no the chart. It's, in, it's incredible what these kids can do in regard to athleticism, um, the way their bodies contort in space, you know, finding the ball, catching the ball. I mean, Jefferson, Chase, uh, I mean, there's, you know, Cooper Cup. I mean, it's just these guys are otherworldly. And I think Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL right now. I mean, he's absurd. And um, when I watch, yeah, it, it's just it's just amazing. And it kind of makes you envious a little bit because you have Lamar, right? You, you have some really good uh, running backs that haven't been healthy. You had an O-line that's been pretty dominant, but not dominant the way they were in 2019 and 2020. Um, they don't strike the fear into defenses that they did. And I think it's just because, you know, you have a Hall of Famer in Marshall Yonda who retired. Obviously, um, Zeus's son, um, yep. uh, Brown is gone, right? You know what I mean? He's in, he's in Kansas City. I thought those guys were very dominant players. And, Ro- and Ronnie Stanley being... you got some good guys. Yeah, and Ronnie yeah. Stanley being... Oh, well, yeah, Ronnie said, I was, yeah. was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah I was going to get to that too. You know, Ronnie Stanley, and, and he was playing well before he, he got... Really you know, well. last injury, but... Yeah, but I, I just think that there is a bully ball um, uh, energy and psychology, psychological grip this team had over people, and I just don't think they have it anymore. And kind of low-key, like if you really look at the psychological effects of the contract with Lamar and not getting that done, I don't know how to quantify the effect, but I can tell you it is not good. And it's not something that I think anybody can put a finger on. I just think it, it's this overhang, right? It's this, this thing that's kind of a boogeyman type vibe because you know you're going to get it done. Both sides want to get it done. But I think that when uh, parties can't find a middle ground and agree to something, I do think there are psychological, almost unknown ramifications of that. I truly believe that. There's something, an uneasiness. And you've seen Lamar lash out a little bit during games, kicking the ball, you know, the tweet situation. No one's going to tell me psychologically that this young man is not being affected somehow, and it's, trans- it's, and it's translating negatively on the field, in my opinion. I, I believe that 100%. I don't think it's intentional by anybody. I don't think it's intentional by the Ravens in the front office. I don't think it's intentional by Lamar. They just could not find an agreement. And I think that angst is somehow surfacing a little bit in kind of this disconnect between execution, focus, just focusing on what needs to happen on the football field. 
it is unfortunate, but we are human beings and our lives happen simultaneously, mentally, emotionally, and physically. It's all intertwined. Anyone that thinks they can separate that is out of their mind. I'm a human performance expert. This is what I do for a living. I make it my business to study the psyche, the performance, and the mental health of people as how they interact in their personal lives and in business. And I'm telling you right now, I'm sensing something that is not noticeable by 99.9, but I feel it. And I think it's coming out in the way the offense is performing. I believe 100% had this contract situation been dealt with, Lamar would be 100% free. I think he would just play like he played when he was drafted and came in for a hurt Joe Flacco. And the way he played as an MVP and the way he played and came back after he had COVID and basically, you know, willed the Ravens to a win, an improbable win against the Cleveland Browns in in Cleveland a couple years ago. Everybody remembers that. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like there's some angst that's this overhang that's bigger than just what's happening on Sunday with the offense. I think the, the offensive issues are a reflection of that kind of bigger issue. Now, can they work through it? Absolutely. Okay. Are they good enough to do it? Absolutely. You know what I mean? I think they can get through it. I do believe that. I think they're, they're still set up to win the division. They're still set up to make a big, a big, deep playoff run. But I do think that all the parties involved, I think they need to make sure they're having solid, honest, open communication. I don't know if they are at this point in regard to the contract. Femi, there's a, there's a lot there. Let me, let me follow up on what you said last. Cause I, I think, I, I think it'd be insane to suggest there's nothing going on there. I think a lot of us have kind of wondered at times it looked like there were moments where Lamar should be taking off and running, and he's kind of seemed reluctant to do that a little bit this year. And I think a lot of us have wondered if that might be related to the contract. But, but what you just brought up, and in, in can they still do this? I, I feel like that's the question that I keep coming back to because the last couple of weeks, the biggest problem is the Ravens don't have other path. They have to run the ball. They've got to play bully ball. They just don't have, to your point, the Justin Jefferson, who should be an MVP candidate, the Jamar Chases of the world. They've got what they've got. If they get Lamar back in a couple of weeks, if they get Ronnie Stanley back, if Gus Edwards can get back to more of his form, if J.K. Dobbins comes back, can they still find that bully ball thing? They've only been, the running backs have been running for three yards per carry the last two weeks. It's been gross, right? Like it has not worked. Can they still find that bully ball thing before this season is over? Yeah, I think they can. You know, I, I think. Um this whole idea of momentum, um, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it, you, can, you can get it quickly and you can lose it quickly, right? Um, and I think that the way they won that game, think about this. In all the previous games, they've had a two-possession lead, right? In every single game this season. Yesterday was the first game they never had a lead until the very end of the game. I think that's something to build on. You know, this kind of reminds me of that little lull we went through. We lost a couple. I think we lost three games in a row. Didn't score a touchdown for, what, four weeks. And we ended up winning the Super Bowl. The 2012 team, right, kind of limped in. I, I feel like they, they, they were in position to win the division. Then they lost some games. And then they won some games. And they got hot, you know, go to Denver. Probably, the, in my opinion, one of the best football games I've ever seen, that double overtime win in Denver, that mm-hmm. playoff game. No question. Um, 30, I think it was 38, 35 or 35, yep. 32, something like yep. that. Right. I yep. think 38, 35 maybe was the score. Yeah, I think that's right. And so, you know, I, yeah. And I think that the, what's cool about the Ravens that I think is really unique is that they're built on an amazing uh, foundation, the scaffolding from Steve Bashotti down to, to Eric and, and Ozzy and coach Harbaugh, like those guys are rock solid. I mean, you know, decade and a half plus with some of these guys, two decades with some of these guys, they, they, they kind of know what to do. And you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with adults, right? And 
it's really hard to corral everybody sometimes, especially when you're trying to balance, you know, the team goals with your personal aspirations and your occupation. Like this is still a job. Yes, yes, we are entertainers, but we are, this is our job. We're not high school or college athletes. Like we must perform to keep our jobs and we must win uh, if we're all going to stay together or is it going to fracture like the NFL usually does 20 to 25% turnover each team year on year. Right. And now a lot of, a lot of that turnover are with teams that aren't very good. You know, the teams that are good usually try to keep their nucleus in their core. And the Ravens have done a pretty good job of that. I think all the pieces they need to win the division, and, and you know what, like, win the division, whatever. I just, it's about getting in the tournament. Of yes, course. you absolutely want to win the division and have a home playoff game. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not conceding that. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that I was on a team that went in as a wild card. You know, um, my, I, I believe my brother's team, the 2012 team, I believe they also went in as a wild card. Uh, they I they won the division, but they had to play the first weekend. Oh, they, they didn't win the division? They did, okay. Yeah, they, they didn't get okay. a bye, okay. but they, had, they, they did win the division. Okay. Yes. But, then they went on, but then they went on the road to Denver, Absolutely. and then they went on the right. road to, right. to, New, to New England, right? right. Okay. Yeah. And we, you know, we had a home game against Denver, and then we went on the road to Tennessee, and then we went on the road to Oakland, and then obviously the Super Bowl, right? Yep. So we are this organization is road and battle playoff tested like we know what it takes we're grimy we're gritty that way i'm just hoping that some of the first of all i know exactly what happened to lamar in regard to his knee i had a very similar injury happen to me but it was on turf in seattle really um, right on my kneecap yeah I, I i was able to come back and play the next week but it bothered me for the rest of the season eventually i had to get a knee scope now i'm not saying that i know that that's his injury the good thing is it happened to him on grass and the velocity of that hit that he took was definitely not with the velocity that I took from a linebacker running in open space in the middle of the field. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to um, triangulate what I anticipate the prognosis is going to be. And I believe he'll miss a week, two weeks maximum. He could be back out there this week. And this is not, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I I have had this exact injury. um, And that's what it looked like to me when I saw how he fell. He fell straight down. It wasn't a, it didn't look like a ligament thing, like didn't look like an ACL or MCL thing. It really looked like a kneecap kind of bone mm-hmm. potential bruise issue. So we'll see what happens with that. He is Femi Ayambadejo, and he is with us here on GCR. Um, Femi, look, all this being said, the, I think the other part of it is the defense, right? And I think it's the part that can't be ignored. I, they're definitely not the 2000 Ravens. To your point, no one can be any longer. The NFL won't allow you to play defense that way. But the defense is, for the most part, outside of that last drive against the Jaguars last week, holding up its end of the bargain, particularly since Roquan Smith has joined the team. Is that good enough that you can figure it out, keep this thing going for long enough? Like somebody would say, well, it's easy to do against the Broncos. They stink, right? Like Russell Wilson's been terrible. Of course you can play like that against the Broncos. Is this defense playing at a level that you think it can travel and translate to playing the Joe Burrows, the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes of the world in January. Absolutely, and I'll tell you right now who the difference maker is because when he's not on the field, it's obvious. It's Kyle Williams. You know what I mean? Um, oh, Kyle Hamilton. Yes, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Hamilton. Kyle, I'm sorry. Kyle, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, sorry. I'll, I'll Kyle go. Hamilton, I'll go. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking of Williams. I'm not sure what Williams <laughs> I'm thinking about, but yeah. But Kyle Hamilton, to me, um, this kid has really found his his stride and his confidence. And from from blitzing off the edge to playing, you know, nickel dime safety, lining up in the box as a linebacker, covering receivers, covering tight ends. He is long and he has an instinctive quality about him that is really unique. And he, when he's not out there, it is really obvious to me. Hmm. Um, he did not play against Jacksonville, yep. right? Yep. Um, yep. And so, you know, it was obvious he wasn't out there. 
because I think on third down, his skill set really lends itself to getting off the field. Um, and so I do think that in the modern era, like in this 2022 type of environment that we're in, this defense has the ability to um, definitely carry the offense to a certain degree. But the days of just having a number one defense and an offense that plays ball security and runs the ball, you're not, not going to win that way nowadays. I do think that the Ravens offense, I do think they need to get back to really dominating ball control and really, really committing to the run. I felt like at times yesterday, they, they, they got away from that. And if Denver had a weakness, it was their run defense, right? Um, and also, too, like the trick play, I'm sure in practice when they, when they ran that, they said, look, if there's any doubt about the receiver being open downfield, yeah, get rid of you it. should run, tuck it and run. Yep. You know what I mean? No, yeah. well, tuck it and oh, run. Okay. Just tuck it okay. and run. Don't even All get right. rid of it. Don't All even right. risk it. Yeah. So right. Shea just tucks it and runs, right? They're, they're already, you know, or, or throw it away. You know what I mean? You're already in field goal range at that point, close to field goal range. Um, and I think that the other interception, um, obviously, by Snoop, by Huntley, you know, he got, he's got a little greedy. He's got to throw that ball away. But guess what? He learned from that mistake. And then later when he found uh, Kenyon Drake, he faked that little pump, held it, and then Kenyon broke open because the linebacker got too flat, and it was perfect. It was an ex- like watching Snoop do what he did. Because in the past last year when Lamar got hurt, he came in, he would kind of throw those inopportune interceptions. And I had a feeling. I'm like, man, he's a little rusty. I wonder if he's going to throw a pick. He did throw the pick but he made up for it later. And I just love how hard he played as well. So I know you didn't ask me about Snoop necessarily, but um, I loved his decision-making as the game went on. But the Ravens put themselves, the offense put themselves in, in a bad position, in my opinion, by getting away from the run, um, not sticking with it consistently. And then obviously those two, those, two, those two turnovers gave Denver a chance to get a lead. But kudos to the defense, right? They did not give up a touchdown. And technically, three of those nine points was off yep. the turnover. Yep. You know what I mean? So they played as good as you can play. And their, their third down defense is number two in the NFL. They are great at getting off the field. I think that the, if I'm nitpicking on third and 12 or third and 17, you can't give up a first down. Like not against Kansas City, right. not against Cincinnati. They're going to make you pay. So all I'm thinking about right now is who, who are the Ravens going to align up, align with in the playoffs? It's going to be Miami, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Tennessee. You can't play the way you played yesterday on offense and think you're going to beat any of those teams. You're not going to. You know what I mean? I agree. So there's no number one receiver. There's no number one receiver. Demarcus Robinson can get some things done. Likely he's getting some things done. Andrews is getting some things done. You know who the X factor is going to be? It's going to be J.K. Dobbins. He has a gear and an and escapability and a, miss, a, a make you miss ability that nobody else on the offense has. That's Only fair. him and Lamar have it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. But if Lamar is not able to do Lamar-type things, J.K. is going to be the one that has to do it. And when he came back, we saw flashes of it. Now, Gus needs to do Gus-type stuff on short yardage, running the ball hard. And I'm wondering if there was a little bit of a hang, an overhang from that fumble, because that fumble really had a big part in the loss last week. I mean, there was a lot of things that led to the loss, but that fumble was one of the things that kind of got them on that trajectory to them losing to Jacksonville. You can't turn the ball over, and you've got to run the football and then make big plays with play action down the field. I think Deshaun Jackson, I think he's showing you he's got some legs underneath him. So you, you have what you have at this point. Odell's not coming to Baltimore, in my opinion. And if he did, I don't even know what that looks like. But hopefully Lamar can be healthy. But I trust Snoop. 
I trust Tyler Huntley to carry them for a couple weeks. Like I said, I bet you he misses two games maximum and maybe no games. So let me let me ask about that, Femi. Um, a lot of people will look and say, well, boy, the offense looks a lot different when Tyler Huntley runs it. And I think that the obvious thing is, well, they're not going downfield, right? Like they're keeping everything in front of him. They're, they're saying, hey, let's make short, crisp passes. That's what we believe your strength is. And somebody might say, well, should you be doing more of that with Lamar? Like, that should be you be maybe instead of trying to hit home runs, accepting the same thing and saying that's the that's the best thing given the personnel you have, given what you don't have at the wide receiver position. That the offense that you gave to Tyler Huntley yesterday, which was much more simplified, it, it, you're not trying to embarrass Lamar Jackson or suggest he can't do it. But this is given what you have, maybe the best thing for any Ravens quarterback to be doing the rest of the way. Well, I think what ended up happening was they saw Lamar got knocked out of the game, and they knew they couldn't afford to have Tyler get hung, uh, knocked out of the game because then Mark Andrews is going to be playing. That's, great. That's true. You don't want yeah, that, that's right? true. Your best receivers. So they purposely changed protections, and they purposely went to a quick passing game, um, and they only ran Tyler when they had to. And when they ran him, they had to run him. I mean, it was, it was QB power. It was zone read, and it was perfectly executed. I give Tyler a lot of credit. But I don't think that the play calling, I don't think the philosophy changes at all. I think that the short passing game, they've used it with Lamar. Go back to a couple weeks ago. DeMarcus Robinson caught, what, 10 or 11 passes? Yeah, that's true. For 110 yep. yards? Yeah, that's yeah true. So, so we, can't, we, can't, we can't forget that they, the Ravens absolutely will take what's in front of them. Lamar has no problem distributing in the short passing game. Uh, but I do think Lamar, if you look at the way Lamar's ball comes out of his hand, he has a lot more of a stronger arm than Tyler does. Now, I think Tyler has great touch. I think Tyler's a starting quarterback in the NFL. But the top-end speed gear, he doesn't have what Lamar has. The arm strength doesn't quite have what Lamar has. Lamar's size now doesn't – he's just kind of a, a, a notch below. But you know what he does have that Lamar has? That competitive energy. Tyler Huntley is a dog. He is a competitor. And I think him and Lamar are very similar when it comes down to, to, to competing. And I think Tyler's out there playing free. Like, just think about all the things that Lamar's had to deal with, not just off the field in regard to how he's kind of judged by the pundits and the media and fandom, but also, once again, the engagement that's been happening lately with the contract and then the tweet and all these little things. I just think there's a little bit it's, – it, it's, it, Tyler's not out there with all that pressure on him. Hmm. And I do think that um, – I, once again, there is a psychological component to all of this that I can't quantify, nor can I detail or explain in a way that's going to make sense. You just have to know football, see it, and be around enough teams to see, like, damn, there's something just a little off about this. And I think I know what it is, and how do you solve it? And really what it comes down to is kind of trust, right? And I do think that trust is there, but we're still humans. It's, it's impossible to think that our worst fears don't creep into the back of our mind once in a while. What if I get hurt? What if Lamar gets hurt? What if, what if, what if uh, they don't offer me what I'm, what I'm worth? What if we don't offer him what he thinks he's worth? This is the kind of back and forth that I know. I, I don't know, but I'm guessing that they're having these independent discussions of Lamar's camp and him and then the Ravens internally about how do we solve this to make sure we don't have this same problem next year? Because I think it's going to be incumbent on the Ravens to make sure that when this offseason comes and and by, I'm no, I'm, I'm hoping offseason comes in, in the middle of February. I'm, but I can, you know, I can walk and chew gum, right? I can, I can talk about these multiple things at the same time. I'm just hoping that whatever the outcome is for this season, that they don't let some of this um, uh, off the field contractual stuff then bleed. The worst thing you can do is franchise tagging, in my opinion.
give this man his money. And now that the, we don't know what the end of the season looks like, because obviously I think Lamar's performance and how the Ravens finish sure. is going to have an effect on that sure. final deal. And look what Joe Flacco did. Joe happened to win a Super Bowl, <laughs> right. and he had the same issues that Lamar did. But Joe's just a different dude. You know, Joe, Joe Flacco's just a different completely different guy. Yeah. Um, I want Lamar to be who he is because his vibe and his energy has permeated this city and has really inspired kids all across this country. So I don't want Lamar to change, but I'm acknowledging that there is um, some nuance to how these contracts and, and the psychology of these things bleed onto the field, in my personal and professional opinion. This is awesome, man. All right, I need the rundown. What's going on with you? I know you're involved not only, you know, you've been doing Health Reel, but, you know, the projects that you are involved with I know are numerous. So give me the rundown on everything that I can plug for you, my man. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to send you an email. And if you don't mind sharing it with, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many, uh, if you have an email list or your social yeah. media, you know. Yep. Uh, we're, yeah, we're doing a, a, a special engagement for Health Reel. It's, um, it's a data gathering exercise. Um, and it, it was requested uh, by a potential partner. And I'm just basically trying to lay out the case for what we do and the uniqueness of our approach at Health Reel in regard to exercise and fitness. So I'll share that with you. Maybe you can just share it kind of with your, with, with people that are fans uh, of the show. Um, and then secondarily, uh, obviously with the rise of legal sportsbook gaming and mobile gaming, um, I formed a company with some um, peers of mine and a professor uh, of mine from Hopkins that's focused on analytics and NFL prediction using you know machine learning and trying to find opportunities <laughs> I, um, I could use this help. Betting. So we're I, working on that right now. I could use some help in that department, <laughs> Femi. It's not, it, it is, yeah. it was a yeah, rough week. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, well, hey, I, I had a great week, actually. Oh, good. Um, you know, good. I'm still using house money. I'm still using that free money that I got from, uh, from uh, you know, MGM, MGM, uh, BetMGM and uh, uh, DraftKings. Yeah, so it's, it's been pretty good. Yeah, you've got to, you can't, you got to use your head on these things, right? You can't, you can't, you can't go with your heart. You know what I mean? Uh, that is an issue for me. I'm not going to lie. That is a problem for me, my yeah. man. At Obafemi30 on Twitter is how you follow him. We will make sure we share that out, brother. Absolutely. And we will, of course, be in touch. Uh, happy holidays to you, my friend. We will talk again real soon. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning, dude. Uh, thank you. Femi, I'm Bedejo with us here on GCR. Um, a lot of interesting stuff in there. I mean, really, like all over the place and reasonable, um, thought out, not over dramatic. I I don't I, I think everything that he said in there was fair. Um, you know, still believes the Ravens have time to try to figure this out and that J.K. Dobbins would play a big role if they could. And as I keep saying, I get why we feel the way that we feel today, but this is how sports work. You have to allow it some time to figure out the way that it's going to go. You have to let it play out. All right. Um, hey, you know, we're just talking about sports betting there. And, of course, all of the best offers for sports betting can be found right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, including $200 in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet or $1,000 in risk-free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited to get these best offers in all of the sports books, so go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. Um, I don't think we need to bother with recapping picks, so we'll get right into um, uh, Pats on the Ass when we come back in. I don't think we need to worry uh, at all no, about... No, it was a little significant. No, I, I, like I don't that. think well, we need to worry well, about that side bet. So there let's, let's just bet. go... It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Join the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park for Christmas Tide Stakes Day on Monday, December 26th. An exciting day of live horse racing awaits you with a whopping six stakes races worth $600,000 in prize money. Plus, enjoy a specially curated stakes buffet, a delicious hot chocolate bar, and hot cider cocktails. It may be cold, but Laurel Park has plenty of horse racing excitement, food, and beverages to keep you warm. Don't miss Christmas Tide Stakes Day at Laurel Park. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, Keep listening to this show, too. Yeah, yeah, do that. That's a good idea. Do that. Keep listening to this show. Even if you have other better things to do, listen to this show instead. I would I'd appreciate that a great deal. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it, particularly if your name is Glenn Clark. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Yeah, all right. We can recap picks if we have to. All right. Very uh, bad week. Very bad, 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 bad week. You know what's really – so <clears throat> I'm going to skip ahead to the part. I went 1-8 and eight this week in picks. 1-8. and eight. By the way, nearly wasn't even the worst week of the year because uh, – uh, or week of the worst week of the week. How do I say that? Worst. Week. Worst. Worst. Week. Week of – Worst week of the all year. All of us. 
a no, worst week of this week. Paul Valley went two and seven. Um, the only game we had differently was the Miami San Francisco game where his lone wolf paid off. Um, moral of the story being, yes, we had a side bet and that sucks. The crazy part is, I went one and eight, and somehow I'm only a game back of the top of the table. <laughs> like it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> But what in the world is going on with us on the whole that I could have a one and eight week and I'm only a game back of the top of the table? Not great. All right, let's get yeah. into it. Uh, picks recap. Uh, yeah. Um, it was a good week to be a lone wolf. Three and no lone wolves this week. Wow. I was, uh, I was one of those. Yes, you were. Utah-USC in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, it ends up being lopsided as Utah just utterly pulls away in the second half. Um, they win the Pac-12. USC gets left out of the college football playoff. I watched a good bit of this game. Nothing in there to me suggested that Caleb Williams lost the Heisman. The question was going to be, to, to Aaron Oster's point, was the door left open for Max Dugan to go in and win it? And he didn't do that either on Saturday. So I do think that Caleb Williams will still end up being the Heisman Trophy winner despite this. And it's not this wasn't on him. Their defense was atrocious on Friday. Like they just they were hopeless as that game went on. So I still think Caleb Williams will end up winning the Heisman. But uh, that was a lone wolf pick for Andrew Stetka, who went five and four and is still eight games back. I mean, it's just a mess. Um, sure. Most of you were on Kansas State, and rightfully so. Knew it. Knew it. Yeah, knew it. Yeah, knew it. Knew it. I said Kansas State was going to win outright. Yeah, you did say that, yeah. but you read quite the ballsy pick considering, you know, TCU had it third and goal in overtime from the one-yard line and somehow came away with no points. I knew it was going to happen. Yes, you totally knew yeah. it was going to happen. A um, lot of second guessing. Obviously, the good news for them is they don't have to second guess it too much. They still got into the college football playoff. It's just not the end of the world. I guess the the bummer for them is that like they're not likely to win the national championship. So, is it a bigger deal to have played in the college football playoff, or is it a bigger deal to have been conference champions? I don't know the answer to that question. Like in the moment, the answer is obvious. In the moment, it's you got to get into the playoff because that's how you have a chance. But none of us really think TCU has a chance of winning the national title. And so, in hindsight, I don't know which is more significant. Like, I, I, one of them, you get to call yourself a champion of something. The other, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird, yeah. it's a really weird spot. I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, I myself, Paul Valley, and Ken Zalas were on TCU. Um, boy, I was off by a point and a half on this one. A point and a half. I was right by a point and a half. You were right by a point and a half. Uh, myself again, Paul Valley. <laughs> It was a common theme. And Andrew Stetka were all on uh, LSU to cover the 18.5 points against Georgia. While the game was never much of a threat, it, it kind of went exactly the way that I thought it would go, which is despite LSU not really being in it, they had a chance to cover. They came up short by a point and a half as Georgia wins the SEC. They're the number one seed. By the way, what is with the gutless way in which the committee avoided Ohio State-Michigan? Like, I, I, I get the argument that like you were trying to say well one of them at least played in their conference championship and the other one didn't but is there any world in which anyone actually thinks TCU is better than Ohio State probably not but I guess like they, it, it comes off very much just like we don't want to run back Ohio State Michigan this week and I don't get that at all it would be 
the most anticipated semifinal in the history of college football. I guess the only thought is that I guess you there's could, only been so many of them. You could potentially get a national championship. You those, could, so. but does anybody yeah. actually think that's happening? Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, like probably the, not. But, right? That's the. Yeah. It, it's very weird. It it honest to God seems like Michigan got a reward for being number two. Like I I I think Georgia was going to beat no matter you know, win no matter who they played, and I think Georgia will beat Ohio State. But if I'm Georgia, I absolutely would rather play TCU than Ohio State. Like, it, I, it's very weird to me. Very weird decision. Anyway, uh, Georgia wins. Everybody else got that covered. The only one I got all week, as it turns out, everybody got. I had forgotten that everybody was on Minnesota. So I was, for a moment, happy. <laughs> I was like, oh, good, I got. Then I looked, I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> everybody was on Minnesota. Uh, they made it. Quite interesting, but ultimately they were able to hold yeah, on, play did. some defense late, and uh, get that 27-22 win over the Jets. So they covered the three. Uh, a tie. Fun, fun game. Was it? The, you see the over-under was 40 and a half. Was it somebody, really? Yeah, somebody had a parlay. That, they, that, that was the last leg. And they're like, and the they, game went to overtime. Yeah, they're they're, they're, like, they're oh, like, oh, we're good. This. Yeah, we're good. Washington and New York uh, finish in a 2020 tie. So because of that, New York as two-and-a-half-point home dogs covers. I went with the old reverse lock scenario there. and <laughs> Didn't Washington at one point in overtime have the ball in on New York's side of the field? I think they both did. I, I obviously wasn't able was to watch it? because yeah. I had to do radio yesterday. But like I could have sworn that I looked up at one point and I saw that Washington had the ball on New York's side of the field in overtime. I'm well, sure we know that New York did because they, they missed the field goal at right. the end. Like We know that they did at the end of the game, but I don't know what was going on there. Moral of the story yeah. is I, I, I indeed missed that one as well, as did Paul Valley and John Proctor. Now, those are misses that I can I can be frustrated about. Like The, 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 the Utah-USC one, that's a big miss. But the next three misses were all very close misses. This one was not. <laughs> this was just bad. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles uh, proving that they are very much uh, legitimate. Like I, I talked a couple weeks ago when they, when they were going through losing to Washington and barely beating the Colts. I was like, I'm kind of moving them out of the sure thing category. Well, this to me moves them back into the sure thing category as they pasted the Titans 35 to 10. John Proctor, Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis all got that pick. I should have known the AJ Brown revenge game. Yeah. Lone Wolf. Paul Valley on San Francisco. And, and he needed it. Paid off big time. Yes. <laughs> well, he was he wasn't in our bed, no, that's so right. it wouldn't yeah, have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered anyway. Um but yeah, I guess it could have been worse. 33-17, obviously the bigger story there being that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, broke his foot, and so they've got to go with Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. Um, randomly, we had a guest on a couple weeks ago, and I actually talked about this when he was on. When The week that uh, the Ravens played the Cardinals, we brought my friend Dan Minucci on, and I, I told you guys, the, the guy, he trains quarterbacks. He spent his like, entire life training Brock Purdy. <laughs> like, this, from when Brock Purdy was a child. Like, Dan Minucci trained Brock Purdy. So I have this weird, like I've talked to Dan Minucci, he's a friend of mine, about Brock Purdy a lot over the years. and um, It was kind of cool to see that. Not cool for me because I I, I lost. But um, I don't know. I mean, he, he looked good yesterday. Do I really believe that can hold up for the rest of the season, that they can continue to be? Well, San Francisco's defense. I, mean, it's, I get their defense is good, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the moral of the story being that. Uh, he's got weapons around him, so. He does have weapons. There is no question. He's in a better situation than a Baltimore quarterback is in. There is no debate about that. They also uh, they brought back Josh Johnson, who's still in the league. 
For Ravens legend, Josh he's, Johnson. He's definitely going to come in and throw for 300 yards Probably sometime in late December. It's not a new team for him because he had been with San Francisco mm. before. I mean, it's very difficult for him, him to have a new team. He's on almost <laughs> half the league at this point. But they did sign Josh Johnson. Griffin was a lone wolf on Cincinnati. Oh. Yeah, and when they were... I can't feel too good about this, though. No. Cincinnati's coming. No, well, you can't feel good about that, but also, like, it required kind of a crazy scenario of Travis Kelsey fumbling at, when Kansas City had all the momentum. Kansas City was up in the second half, and they were moving the ball again, and everything went to hell when Travis Kelsey fumbled. And then let's combine that with... You know, it was interesting. It was interesting to criticize... It would be easy to criticize on the Broncos' first drive yesterday. They ran the ball on third and five. But Trent Green brought up, like, when you're on that edge of field goal range. Don't want to give it up. It, it's a tough thing. And Kansas City, of course, because they have Patrick Mahomes, they would say, well, we've got a little bit more faith that we're not going to give up yardage there. But that ended up being massive at that point in the game. It ended up being game-changing when they were down by three, and on third down they decided they were going to try to throw for it and pick it up instead of just taking some yards and protecting the field goal. Instead, you don't see Patrick Mahomes get sacked very often, and it required, what, it was a shoestring uh, a tackle in order to get him down there? But it was a huge difference because then Harrison Bucker had to try, what was it, like a 54-yard or something like that? Misses it, and then Cincinnati gets the opportunity to run out the clock. Um, kind of a game-changing type of decision there instead of protecting – Three points, and I get it. I, I, I'm not telling. I would make the same decision if I were the Chiefs. I've got Patrick Mahomes. Like I don't think there's much risk here, but ends up being a huge game changer in that moment. So Griffin gets that one, and then uh, Denver, Baltimore, obviously did not did not go the way that we had hoped. No. And uh, you even tried to like kind of hedge yourself with by by getting interim Brady uh, in on the pick, so that way because you you thought you would beat him, I'm guessing. Uh, so no, I was just trying to let him be involved. Yeah. That's well, all. He, he how did he? Be, he how did he go? He went three and six. His best three and six in the history of football, babe. <laughs> best three and six ever for uh, old Brady Power. So he is. And he would have had you with the tiebreaker as well. He's he, out. He had the he lowest smart point total. In smart. The, yeah. So, for the week, uh, a bunch of five and fours. We never have anyone do anything better than five and four any longer. Bunch of five and fours. Griffin, John Proctor, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Andrew Stecka. And it's probably the best five and four in John Proctor's life because he's now in first place. He is a game cl- at 58 and 62. A commanding performance this season. God, this is sad. <laughs> 58 and 62. He is one game clear of myself and Kyle Ottenheimer. KZ, Paul, and Griffin are all two games back. So, Two games separates first and sixth place right now in our picks contest. And then, of course, Andrew Stecka is also competing. So he's got that <laughs> going for him. He's closer to the top of the table than he was last week. He's just not really any closer to where he needs to. The vice worm, which, again, is now a bunch of people because everybody is bunched up. So what is it you have to do? You're, you'll be coming I in. I will be doing a show. I have ordered the Speedo. i got to find the bodysuit okay. still. I will be doing a full show, and I have to do a uh, hot take segment as well because I also lost both of my bets. and I lost the. I, no, I said I would do it if the Ravens' uh, score first went out right, didn't hit again, and, of course, the Broncos scored, scored first, first yesterday. So it's back-to-back weeks of the Ravens' score first went out right, not hitting, and so and I stay I'm going to have to abandon it. I'm still hot. Oh, look I'm at you. Hot. Look yeah. at you. Um, so I'm going to have to do a future hot, uh, hot take segment as well in the, uh, the the spandex and speedo combination. I've got the speedo I'm good with. i got to get the uh, correct 
color of spandex because it's not the green man suit. It was more like neon than that. So I just got to gotcha. get the right color of. Uh, right. I can't wait. I cannot I'm wait. Sure you can. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Gonna be. I don't. I guess you could. You're gonna be. I like. I know you can talk through those things because I've worn one before. But I don't remember it being pleasant. I remember like needing air a couple of times as I was doing it. It was not a fun. Maybe you can just day. like can you like cut like a slit and like around your mouth maybe with that. What's that? Can you like cut like a slit around your mouth to talk through it? Uh, I think that's what we had to do okay. when we did it. I feel like Kyle and I did something with it. Someone might have to remind me. I feel like Kyle and I had a a bodysuit related bet, and so. I had to do it for that. I believe that that's exactly what we had to do. We'll have to go to the archives and uh, figure out what we're doing this show for longer. It's been eight years. It's crazy. Um, uh, Proctor says, request to change last place from the worm to Stetka Island. It's not. I, I describe my performance this weekend as Stetkin. You can hear John like, Sterling going, it was a Stetkian. It was exactly right. It was Stantonian. <laughs> yes, it was a Stetkian blast. Uh, yeah, it was rough. All right, um, but we'll see how it goes. Picks. That's our picks recap. Um, but guess we'll have to take a break here. Yeah. We'll do. Uh, we'll do. Get me your pats on the ass. I know it was a tough week, but get me your pats on the ass at Glenn Clark Radio, and we will share them before the end of today's show. Hour number one is in the books. It was also brought to you by your Baltimore area Chick Fil A restaurants. If you are looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick Fil A catering from Chick Fil A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options, sized perfectly for your get together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan. Picks every day. Pressboxonline.com. Joins you next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit. Stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, December 13th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Harford Road. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glorydaysgrill Great food, good sports. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue into hour number two. Again, the best offers for signing up for sports betting. Some of them are still available including $100 in risk-free bets bets from Barstool after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,500 in risk-free bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get these best offers. So go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and sign up. Um, yeah, I, so this man was red hot. I mean, he was, in fact, white hot coming into yesterday. It was more of a mixed bag. I actually ended up, he was so hot that I decided to play with him yesterday, and it was a mixed bag. It was a mixed bag yesterday for Jeremy Kahn, but that's okay because if you were playing with him for the two days before that, but oh, God, I'm his cooler. I just remembered I'm his damn cooler. It's my fault. Jeremy, I'm yep. so sorry. I'm so freaking yeah, sorry. I, I think yesterday's perfect way of putting it because I was 10-0 and 0 on my top plays on Friday and Saturday and hit some other stuff as well, um, and, and yesterday was – there were a lot of games where I felt like things were going the right way. And then obviously did like, uh, for example, the Jets game, right. Two chances at the end zone on two separate drives in the last three minutes of the game and can't come away with points. And in the, the oddity, and I'm not making excuses here, like knowing if they kick a field goal, you cover, but they're not going to kick a field goal is one of, of those weird, you know, weird things in a game. Um, well, or if they the knew Browns they were, game. if they were going to get the ball again, they could have kicked two field goals and one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Right. But, but the, the the, the thing yesterday, too, like, um, that, that was one. And then the, the Browns over, and if anybody watched the first quarter, as both teams are driving up and down the field and then turning the ball over, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. Or they, yeah. you get a turnover in the red zone and then immediately get another turnover. So it felt that way. And then even Cincinnati w- getting that right with the lock, I mean, that could have went either way. So it was, it was, I mean, you described it perfectly. It was a mixed bag yesterday, um, not like kind of kissing your sister uh, as the Redskins yeah. or to the commanders game ended in a tie. Um, and that's what it felt like all day, but uh, it was, it was nice. And, and again, like it's one of those things too, in gambling where I didn't feel like I was that off, even though I lost some games. So I feel good coming in today too with, and, and I love the over in the NFL game tonight. I was having, I was having a rough couple of weeks. So I decided, Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll ride with Jeremy today. He's red hot. Oh, 
and I Thanks. I ruined you. I'm so sorry, man. I am. You're my so, cooler. I have to stop doing that. I have to stop <laughs> putting that pressure on you. All right. It's okay. I don't know when it happened, so I don't get to blame you all the time. So I I haven't heard yet. I I ended up yelling a little bit on the post game show yesterday because uh, someone called in ready to fire John Harbaugh. Or no, they asked that he help be held accountable. And I just in my mind I said, did you say? They're eight and four. Like, and then I, I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> lost it from there. I, yeah. I, I blacked out for a second. I'm not really sure well, what happened. I, look, anybody that's done post game of any type of kind will understand that you get the knee jerk reaction from everyone. Like, it's this guy has to go, that guy has to go. I even said it this morning. Like, we all had an, like a conversation off the air last week about, ironically, how much we enjoy coming to work although the time drives us nuts because we laugh our ass off every day on the show. So it does move by fast. And I even told him, I said, this was, this was a day that I was not looking forward to coming in. And I, I would have lost my mind had I had to do post game because you were going to get a, a, yep. a variety of everything that's wrong, including, including the people that want to pat themselves on the back for Lamar getting hurt saying, see, I told you he'd get hurt, even though he got hurt in the pocket, not out running, you know, <laughs> so Correct. it's Correct. just kind of, it's just kind of crazy. So, I think, you know, I think when you look at all these people that were trying to, trying to sit here and tell you that, oh, this is wrong, or fire Greg Roman, or fire, fire John Harbaugh, you know, like, to me, some of it's just flat out silly. The funny part to me is I'm in a weird place where, like, I understand the feeling that is seeping in that a lot of people are having of this can't be fixed. Like, what we've seen, and specifically, it's the fact that the running backs aren't running right now. That they're averaging three mm-hmm. yards per carry from the running backs over the last couple of games. Um, that it's th- this is doomed. They obviously are not going to be able to pass their way out of this. Like they don't have the players to be able to do that. Um, if they can't run the ball, that this is this is doomed. Like you can you can get away with certain things because you're playing the Broncos yesterday. You know, like, but but ultimately, if you don't have Lamar Jackson healthy and playing at a high level, and running backs that are running at a high level, and probably Ronnie Stanley back playing like Ronnie Stanley, it's not going to work. And and I can understand that sort of feeling. Now, you know, again, to your point, you got to let it play out. Yeah, ha- first of all, you have to let it happen, and secondarily, I I still don't understand specifically blaming John Harbaugh for it. I think that they are setting themselves up for there being a potential day of reckoning for the philosophy of the organization, right? Like, I do mm-hmm. think that if this, if they don't get this turned around, if they don't, you know, prove that they can get it, if they don't get J.K. Dobbins back and playing like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards looking right, if those things don't happen, then I do think they're going to get to the end of the season and they're going to have to sit down and say, is what we've built for, is our philosophy right? Does it actually work for doing the things that we want to do as an organization. I don't understand the idea of firing a coach or, you know, blaming one. This this is an entire organization that is committed to this being what it is that they're going to do. I can't fathom why it is that we would think that it would be John Harbaugh's specific fault. Well, the only thing I could say from it, and and you have this core group of people, and and I've been in that group for a while. Like I, I feel like the Greg Roman stuff has run its course. Um, and I mean, look, there. And, it, and, and that looks like it's gonna. It's, it appears as though yeah. it's gonna come to a conclusion one way or the the other, right? Like either uh-huh. he's going to get the Stanford job, or if this do, if this doesn't get fixed, the easiest thing to do is to move on from Greg Roman. The the only thing that the one knock against Harbaugh, which sometimes isn't even a knock, is that he's loyal to his people, and you know, like 
the fact is that the the strength and conditioning coach that we talked so much about during the pandemic, the you know Greg Roman and defending him, he's always defended his coaches. Even Jim Caldwell, like one of the worst kept secrets is Jim Caldwell was going to be fired until the Lions decided to hire him. So, I mean, you know, you you look at a lot of these things, and and people just want to solely blame Greg Roman, and it's it's he should, in my mind, get a lion's share of the blame, but there's plenty of blame to go around from execution, like. One of the things that drives me nuts, and, and trust me, I didn't like it when I watched it yesterday, but that, that trick play that they ran and Prochet throws the, uh, the, the interception, like people have been crying, like, get, you know, let, let's see something else. Let's get a little bit more creative. And then they get creative, and it's like, well, that was a stupid play call. It's always a matter of the results than actually what's going on in the games. Um, my, my dislike for Greg Roman goes a little deeper than results because no matter what the play call is, you can execute it if it's a pass play. Um, I don't like his route tree. I don't like the combinations that they run together. But ultimately, people can't deny that he's been a great run game guy. I mean, that's that's what his specialty is. It's like, you know, if we talk about an MMA fighter that's uh, this amazing wrestler and he's great on the ground, and then all of a sudden he gets in a stand-up right. fight with somebody else, you go, well, why is he doing that? He's great on the ground. Well, this year we haven't seen them run the football efficiently, and their numbers are fine. Because when you start adding in the quarterback numbers, it, yep. it shows you this is a good rushing team. But overall, I mean, that's a portion of your game that you're taking out with the quarterback running where other teams are going to have them throwing. So, I, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to look at all of it. But all I know is what I've watched the past three weeks, it's good enough to get them in the playoffs because of where they're at. Yep. Um, and I even saw the stat if they win this weekend, they're 99% in um, the postseason or have a 99% chance to get in. Um, but... But realistically, if they get in and they're playing this way, I don't think they're going. No, we, and we agree on that. I mean, we wholeheartedly yeah. agree on that. But again, you know, they also like the last three weeks aren't good enough. The two weeks before the bye, were, they were playing at a level that they could do that to beat good teams. If you could translate that to good teams, you could beat those teams doing that. If you're holding the ball for forty minutes in a game, you're going to have the chance. So I don't know how to. to is it as simple as saying Ronnie Stanley is the singular difference, and if you can get Ronnie Stanley back out on the field, you might still be able to, to figure this out before the season is over? I'm I'm skeptical, but I, I can't say with certainty it's not. This is why I keep going back to you got to let this thing play out. You can't keep trying to skip ahead. They, they do still get the chance to get their pieces back out on the field and figure out if they can make one more significant run of playing this style of football. Yeah, and, you know, like there, there were people that were screaming, Glenn, about, um, you know, Tyler Huntley. I thought Tyler Huntley did fine yesterday, and ultimately he takes him on the, the game-winning drive, but I don't think he is the right word. You know, there were people saying, see, Tyler Huntley can win a game for you. It's, it's more than just winning games Correct. because that gets tied to the quarterback so much where I mean, there were a lot of things that could have went wrong in that game that went right, especially on that final drive. And it is weird, too, how many times we see teams give it up on the last drive of the game because I don't know if it's the defense just being more careful or what, or maybe that's just what sits in my mind more. But, um, but yeah, the Ravens have appeared to get this done quite a bit when they needed to in the fourth quarter, no matter who is a quarterback. But I, I'm just not ready to put that by him yet. And if you look at, you know, Tyler's uh, or Tyler Huntley's um, yards per attempt and stuff like that, it's, it leaves a lot to be desired, but I understand they were, they were playing a really good defense, one of the best in the league yesterday. He is Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, the Big Bad Morning Show, and, of course, his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Yeah, so there's all that. It, it's a weird, you know, it's a weird feeling. I, I, I just I tweeted something about this during the break because I, I saw Rita talking about it. I want to echo those sentiments. I'm sure you've seen the video of this creep 
standing outside the stadium yesterday cursing at Greg Roman as he's leaving the mm-hmm. game. It it's not just that that guy needs to seek help, and like I want to start with that. Like that guy needs to seek help. Like you you are your view of the world is problematic and it makes me worry about the way that you might act in other situations like greg roman's gonna be fine like he's not his life probably isn't going to change all that much because some guy was cursing at him walking the stadium but you clearly don't understand how the world works and why that's not okay and that makes me worry about you but it goes a step beyond i'm really uncomfortable with anybody who's sharing it for any reason like even if you're sharing it to dunk on the guy like we live in a bizarre world where like Twitter views are treated as a commodity and it doesn't matter if it's good, bad. I'm just doing those numbers. Like I I don't sharing anything like that for any reason at all just drives me insane, man. Like it was one of the grossest yeah. things that I saw come up yesterday. I get torn on that too, like and, and not not this guy, because for example, um sports actors, whatever, unless they've said something that's upset you, it's all entertainment. You know, all right. these guys are doing are trying to go out and like, I always laughed at it when people lose their mind at, a, at the end of a wrestling event. And I know you're a big wrestling fan. Um, and to get so angry at something that's been scripted, right, you know. Um, but right. but it, it is funny to me in sports where you do see people go out of their way to attack it. Like, I can't stand Mitch McConnell. I think he's subhuman. But if he were out at a restaurant, I would not go over to him while he's having dinner with his wife and tell him what a piece of garbage he is. I might wait until he gets outside, but, but you, I mean, you get what I'm saying though. Like there, people take it upon themselves to just, Oh, I've got to put myself in this situation let them know how I feel about them. And we've gotten to this point too, where it's like, I pay your salary. You know, I buy a ticket to the game. You go to the game, it's your choice to boo or cheer. But I, I don't, I don't like the idea of attacking people out in public just because you don't like them. Or, I mean, we've, we've gotten very, what's the right word? Aggressive as a society. And, feeling like we can say or do whatever we want now, especially with social media, where you can you can actually get in contact with somebody. You don't know if right. they're going to see it, but you send a message, you might get a reaction, like Correct. the guy got out of Lamar last week. So, yep. um, yeah, I agree with you guys. I, I, like As much as I'm not a big Greg Roman fan, um, he doesn't deserve all that. Man, it's like, boy, it seems like it should be like the bare bare minimum of how we understand life. And I, I, there, it, by the way, you bring up something that's interesting. I do also understand that in sports, we... We are going to lose our minds sometimes, but mm-hmm. we should be capable of recognizing that. I didn't love, you know, I didn't love, I, I'm not hurt by what Lamar Jackson did last week. I get it. I understand the guy that's chirping at him is an idiot, has no idea what he's talking about, right? And I can understand being frustrated. He still doesn't need to do it. I don't think it's the end of the world that he did it, but I do think it was the right thing to do to be like, dude, yeah, I, I screwed that up. I shouldn't have done that, like... That was not necessary. We can move on from that. Like, I just, I think that everybody kind of loses their mind for a minute. It's almost part, like, I, I want us to take calls in the postgame show, but I do think that we almost should all have a 24-hour moratorium, right? Like, let's let's all sit with it for a little while, and then let's talk about it a day later, because we tend to be in a much for, healthier place a day later. See, I, I'm on the other side of that. I would rather people vent and get all their anger and vitriol out to you and right, Rita and then you don't have to right deal with it. Right, that's a good point. And then a day yeah, later, then call a, back in with more. That's a really good point. I guess I did. You guys should have to deal with that, man. Yeah, that's that. You know, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you. I'm gonna come to you. Definitely need your reactions all I'm, the time. I'm gonna so. come. Hey, I uh, a lot of you know, and I'll just put this out there without context. I uh, I saw Jeremy this morning. So we'll just leave oh, it that did. way. Right. We'll leave it that way, and and people can wonder yeah. why it is that I saw. Thanks for waking me Jeremy up, sweetheart. 
Um, all right, what else is going on in your world, dude? What are you watching these days? Uh, it's funny. I just so I I still watch like I'm watching Yellowstone, and um, I like I don't like it now. I feel like we're getting to the part where they're just ooh, and where, I'm going to continue watching it. Where yeah, where I just don't like where what doing. where are you? Are you caught up? Like, is you don't like yeah, this season? Okay, up. so you don't like this yeah. season. Well, I just don't like that a guy gets to go. Eh, I want to be the governor. Hey, guess okay. what? He's the governor. Yeah. Okay. Like, I I just feel like the storylines are getting all out of whack. Um, we'll see if they tighten it up. I didn't like uh, one of the seasons where they left you hanging at the end, and it's like, oh my god, who died? And then you come back, and you're like, oh, well, that's what happened. So, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just very disappointing. And I feel like the ra- the the writing has gotten a little lazy. And I remember when this happened on The Walking Dead. Now that that's kind of over, I don't know if I'll get into their their series off of that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. their their spinoffs that they're doing, three mm-hmm. of them. I probably will watch and get sucked in yeah, and go, you, you, I hate this. And you, stayed, you stayed way longer than most of us. <laughs> like you well, stayed. I read all the comic books, and I wanted to see what they did, and I hated all of it. So I get it. Um, yeah, but but anyway, the, like I'm watching that. I started watching Tulsa King, which I, it makes me laugh. I need to watch because it. Because the imitation I do of Ed is exactly what Stallone is. Really? Movie, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. I have to watch yeah. Tulsa King. I have to spend time with it. It's 1,000% it's on my list. It's fun, and I love I love White Lotus. I think the writing on that's great. So I got to catch up on last night's episode. But um, so I've been watching like a lot of the HBO stuff, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we we kind of got it. Like my wife has certain things that we watch together. She's almost finally caught up on Ted Lasso after me pushing her for like two years to watch it. I don't understand why and we're still waiting on it. the next season of Ted Lasso. These are the things that start to frustrate me. Like it came yeah. out last. The last season came out the previous summer, which I remember. Because we were all confused as to why they were doing a Christmas episode of Ted Lasso in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. why are we still waiting on this next season of Ted Lasso? And there was something else I was for. Oh, wait. How long how, how long do we have to keep waiting for Righteous Gemstone seasons, too, by the way? Like, that's driving me nuts. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I'm the idiot that still hasn't finished season two, even you're though I love it. It's, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. Um, I've never asked you this question before. Can, can Do you cook, Jeremy? Are you, are, are like, are you? Do you dabble? Do you cook? Like, what? What is your cooking yeah. world? So I'm more. I'm normally the guy out at the grill. Like, I have certain things that I make that yep. are my own. But my wife would be the first one to tell you. Like, I've become with all the jobs I'm working, and as much as I like to say I'm not lazy, as soon as I get home, I become the laziest human being in the history of people. Because like, I will literally drive by the place I'm going to order food from, and then get home and order food from. It. <laughs> so, okay, that's pretty funny. That's pretty yeah, funny. But. But I, I used to love when my wife and I had um, like HelloFresh or Blue Apron or we, we did that easy. for a while. Sure. And, and yeah, because then you have a recipe and it doesn't it takes like 40. Like the hardest thing for me, it's not cooking. Like I feel like I can do all that stuff and I'm, I'm fairly OK at it. Like my wife's amazing cook, like from any like uh, you, you, it doesn't matter if it's Indian food or Chinese food or whatever. Like she's just she's really good. Um, but if you give me a recipe, I feel like I can I can handle it and make it to the best of my ability, I've, which is usually decent. I've always tried. So this came up again for me this past week. I I realized my we we had a friendsgiving on Saturday. We were doing it a little bit late, and and the turkey had not been taken care of. So I just said I'll just do the turkey, no problem. I'll take care of it. And my wife was panicked by the idea of me doing the turkey, where I of course do all the grilling in our house, and like mm-hmm. I, this I wasn't going to grill the turkey, but like. She has somehow convinced herself that because she, like, it's her love language that she does the cooking, that that's because I can't cook, which is not the case whatsoever. (laughs) It was that she wanted to do the cooking when we first started dating, so she just always did 
the cooking. And then when I like would attempt to cook, she would yell at me and say, get out of my kitchen. You put things in the wrong places. I don't want you to do that. I want to do the cooking. Somehow it's distorted into this world where you can't cook. And I always come back to it like, it's not that difficult. Like, I'm not trying to tell you that I can be a Michelin star, like, you know, chef. I'm not trying to suggest that. But the idea that cooking is, you know, the bare minimum is something that's extraordinarily difficult to do is not remotely true. And I'm always flummoxed by the idea. So I, not only did my wife panic about it, but then I said, look, I'll just handle the turkey. And I swear to God, like the first two responses of my friends were like, well, so I guess we just order some, order some pizza then. I'm like, why are you pretending? <laughs> like, it's so yeah. bloody hard to do something like this. Like, where is the this coming from? The only thing that the turkey is, like the waiting's time consuming, right? Like how long it takes and just checking on it. Sure, it's sure. Like it's that, you know, like yeah, anytime I was doing a brisket and I'm trying to figure out, oh, it's going to cook for 12 hours in the smoker. And I'm like, all right, well, when do I want to start it? Because there's no real good time to, uh, to finish. So usually I do it overnight and set an alarm to wake myself up every couple hours to check on it. But, but you know, like for me, it, the weird thing when I, when I cook, like, um, or at least help my wife, like I, I actually enjoy doing the prep work more than, and I think that's where I, most people don't like doing. You know, it's really funny you say that. I get very nervous about exactly the right. Like, I even even on the grill where I love grilling, but I still don't like grilling chicken because I get extraordinarily nervous about the fine line between is it cooked versus is it no longer going to be flavorful, right? Like, I get very yeah. nervous. The prep for it, I love. I love making a baste. I love doing all of these things to taste, right? Like, I did the turkey Cajun style on Friday. I was having the time of my life mixing up Creole oh, butter and Cajun seasonings and things like that. It was awesome for me. I would do that all day. But then the fine line between how cooked does this turkey need to be versus at what point, like, if you wait five minutes longer, is it just completely dry? That's the, that is my least favorite part of the experience. No, is turkey butter anything like duck butter? It's or no? exactly. It's exactly. Yes, it's exactly okay. like duck I, I didn't know, but but no, like in all seriousness, and we were talking about the the holidays, and do you? I think you brought it up to me last week about do you get tired of the turkey and uh, the leftovers? I, maybe I was talking to somebody else. Oh no, we definitely were my, talking my about wife, it. Yeah, yeah. So my wife did a separate Thanksgiving for us on Sunday, and then Monday turned into hey, we're eating leftovers, and we made yeah. our own little like uh, turkey bowls, if you will. Um, like Wawa has, I love whoever. that. I love but, that. Yeah. So we did that. And then the next night my wife's trying to repurpose it again. And she made it like a Turkey shepherd's pie, which was delicious. And then the next day I said, I am You're done. done. You're good. No more leftovers. You're good for a little <laughs> I mean, I'd be good today, but I just needed a couple days away. But that was my, like this point, if I was going to do the turkey, I was going to have to do a Cajun turkey. Like I was going to have to do something a little bit different than just mm-hmm. a plain ass turkey again, right? Like yeah. I was going to need to do something different. Now we've decided we want to do a half-skiving that's a complete Cajun Thanksgiving, my friends and I. So we, oh. might, we might try that out. All right. I uh, like that. What's going on in the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Uh, I think we're all in this week. We'll obviously be focusing in on Terps bowl game was announced today. That Ravens win. The uh, waiting on the 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 answer that that Harbaugh gave of how long is the oh going to be out from days yeah, to days week to weeks. Drove me yes. insane. Oh, um, <laughs> well, the way you guys were talking about it ex- today was exactly the way that Reed and I were talking about it in the aftermath of the sound yesterday. Days to week. Sure. Could be yeah. anything, really. It means My wife asked me to take the trash out. When are you finally going to do it? Yeah, days days to weeks. Days to weeks. Some... going to be the answer. Days to so. weeks. All right. Yeah. Uh, picks but, every... but we'll yeah. all be back doing all that. 
Yep. Good stuff. Picks every day, pressboxonline.com, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. Um, uh, we, you and I need to talk because we're going to start nailing down a plan for some holiday festivities. Um, I, got a, I got a couple things that I think we're going to end up uh, playing out for that. So we'll work on that today. All right, buddy. Love you. Appreciate you. Talk to you guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, with us here on GCR. Today's show also brought to you by one of Jeremy's favorites, Glory Days Grill. Oh, and it's one of uh, Griffin's. You you made a trip to Glory Days. Indeed, indeed, I did. My uh, brother Friday. and I and our friend before the uh, the Terps basketball game. Yeah, on Friday big night. win on big Friday. Big win. Night. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good evening for me. Very exciting yeah. game. Uh, you went with just. Uh, I you, just went with the wings, the the Glory Wings. Just yeah. uh, you know. But, but that's, one that's of what your I was in the mood for one of your yeah, fellow my, my buddy, my buddy diners, got the, uh, the two pounds of meat, the platter. twisted ribs and wings combo with two yeah. pounds he, of ribs and wings. Our our, uh, our server was making fun of him because he called it the meat tornado. Uh, you kind of love that. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. That's not what they call it, but I like it. it. Yeah. Twisted ribs and wings combo. It's on the Comfort Classics menu, which is available right now, as well as the winter spinach salad, the citrus salmon, the mac and cheese bites, the bourbon butter cake. Oh, my God. It's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash right now. GloryDaysGrill.com. Get your order in. When we come back in, we will try to find out a little bit more about Lamar Jackson. Mr. Pro Football Doc, Dr. David Chow joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. UMBC basketball is back at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena, and tickets are available now at UMBCRetrievers.com. Don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals Morgan State on December 10th, and the women square off with American on December 18th. And on New Year's Day, a rematch of last year's America East Championship game when the men welcome Vermont to the peak. Experience the excitement of game day by getting your tickets right now to come see the Retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at UMBCRetrievers.com. Com. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face all right back in here on gcr the next tyus bowser show is one week from tomorrow night december 13th we will be Back at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road. We hope you'll come join us, Tyus, and a special guest. It's brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill and Maryland Vascular Specialist. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. You can find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. Fortunately, the result of yesterday's game was probably only the second most important story of the day. The most important story of the day being the health of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Here to try to break it down for us even a little bit more than he already has. This man, of course, the former team physician for the Chargers. I guess I was about to say the San Diego Chargers. They were the San Diego Chargers at the time. Now, of course, the L.A. Chargers. You follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. SICscore.com, as well as the many locations, including FanDuel, where he is their injury analyst. He is our friend, Dr. David Chow, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Doc, I always say the same thing. I'd say it's good to talk to you, but it's never good news when I have to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Sure, but you never call when it's all good news. I know. I never never call to just say, hey, everything's great, man. (laughs) Like nothing to worry about. Um, Doc, you, you're going, you think it's a PCL sprain for Lamar Jackson. Can you explain what about what you saw and what you know of that injury that makes you think that that was what occurred yesterday? Sure. And just for your listeners, I mean, this is by video from afar. If you go to my Twitter timeline or SICscore.com, you'll see the command center where we watch all the games with, you know, all at once. There's eight games going on yesterday morning. Uh, morning for us, 10 a.m. game slot. And uh, I'm not pretending to have seen an MRI or examined Lamar Jackson, but based on video analysis, which is what I've done, uh, even when I was with the Chargers, where I would see a guy on the field, on the sideline, uh, in the locker room the next day after an MRI, then I'd have some time to kill before I met with the GM. We'd go and look at video. There I knew the answer. And then I got to see the question, which was the video. Now, I don't know the answer, but I get to see the video. And I hope to provide a little more information and background than 
what your head coach did, and I'm not being critical of him. That's what coaches do, right? A little bit of coach speak. What did he say? It's either days or weeks. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's days uh, to days to weeks was, was essentially the wording. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's 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 competitive advantage, and I'm not being critical of Coach Harbaugh at all at all. But it doesn't make fans feel any better. By video, it was pretty clear, and you can see it in my Twitter timeline if you want the video. He goes down on a flex left knee, which is consistent with the PCL tear. PCL or posterior cruciate ligament partial tear or sprain is one of the four main ligaments in the knee. But fortunately, it's one of the ligaments that typically does not require surgery. So don't freak out by when I use the word tear. A sprain is a tear, partial tear. And uh, he can't return this season. The season is not done. That's the good news. The bad news is, assuming this is true, he's likely to miss some time. And that would be, I'm more on the week's side than the day side. Of course, it depends. Is it a grade one or two or three PCL? Notably, Ezekiel Elliott last season for the Cowboys missed a little time but played through with the PCL injury. The issue, though, is, of course, Lamar is very mobile. And, yeah, you can return with a brace, but how does that affect him? And uh, the bottom line is, I think if as if I were a Ravens fan, he said he would return in late December, I would say take it, because it could be worse than that. So let's let's cover a couple things you bring up there, Doc. One being, it, it, it sounds like what you're saying is, is he could return but maybe not be able to return as a full Lamar Jackson because he'd playing, be playing through pain. If for an injury that doesn't require surgery, like how long would it take for you to say, I think he could be Lamar Jackson again coming off something like that? Well, you have to understand recovery from an injury, it doesn't happen overnight. So let's say we called it a three-week injury. Sure. To, to pick a number out of the hat. It's not like at 20 days he can't do anything. And on the 21st day, he's 100%. Fair. Right? It's mm-hmm. all gradual. Uh, you know, recovery is not a light switch. It's more of a slow sunrise, right? And so at what point will he return for the Ravens? That depends on what Lamar's comfort is, the medical staff's comfort is, and the team's comfort is. You know, uh, uh, look, uh, one of my main quarterbacks during my time with the Chargers was Philip Rivers. He played six days after an e-scope on a torn ACL with a brace in the 2008 AFC Championship game. But Philip Rivers is not Lamar Jackson. Right. He doesn't right. move. He's a pure pocket guy. Now, Lamar could play more quickly as a pure pocket guy. And so the question is, it's that delicate balance of when will he return and how effectively. If you're saying uh, uh, when will he be 100% from this injury, boy, uh, he could be 100% from this injury uh, before the Super Bowl, but you know, I mean, that's a long time away. And uh, ahead of that, it's a, what percent is good enough to play? And at this point of the year, often 85% is good enough to play. That decision will have to be made by the Ravens and Lamar. But yeah, it's not season ending, it's not surgical, but it is significant and it does seem to be multi weeks to me. He is Dr. David Chow. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Um, Doc, what you allude to, is playing with the brace, like, does that alone end up limiting someone or, you know, is it is it more still the pain? Like, you're going to play with a brace, but it's really the pain that would be what would limit somebody if they attempted to come back a little bit earlier. 
it's the pain, swelling, and potential instability of the knee sliding around as the PCL continues to heal. Now, a lot of quarterbacks wear a lead leg, and this would be the case for Lamar Brace because of the trash around the legs. I mean, Tom Brady always has after his ACL. It's uh, a lot of quarterbacks readily do, but the more mobile ones don't love having the brakes, mm-hmm. right? It can inhibit you a little bit. So it's a balance of how does it inhibit you versus how effective can you be, how much does it help you versus hurt you. And that is a decision that Lamar will have to make. But uh, this is, once again, based all on video. I expect to hear more news uh, after the MRI, but uh, – uh, typically, I think what you're going to hear this week is, you know, uh, we'll see what happens, we'll see what happens, and then Friday and get the rule out. And uh, a little reminiscent of last season, I think, when I was on, too, with uh, the bone bruise. There was the weekly, is he in or is he out? And by Friday, he was out with the ankle bone bruise right. from, at the end of last season in December. And uh, I think there's going to be some repeat there, but hopefully he can return uh, sooner. He did not return last season. Doc, I had a couple of former players chime in that that said that they looked at it and it reminded them of like kneecap issues that they had gone through in their career. Like, is, did you see anything about that 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 was specific to the kneecap in watching that yesterday? Well, there's no question the kneecap and the front of the knee when he bends hits the ground, right? Hits the turf. So, sir, certainly. A great case scenario is all it is is a contusion or a bursitis, traumatic bursitis. But I don't know that that would have Lamar limping the way that he was, as we all saw, going down and up the stairs. Right? Lamar's pretty tough. He's played through some things. So so I I think it's probably more than kneecap. But if it turns out to just be kneecap, then it's possible that he doesn't miss any time. But it doesn't seem that way to me by the way the video looks and whatever. I think the, his tibia got driven backwards when he hit the ground and uh, therefore stretched sprain slash partially tore the posterior cruciate ligament. That's the diagnosis that I'm favoring right now, but let's hope it's low grade so he can return sooner. I don't know because I saw the video that you did on Lamar. I don't know. Did, did you happen to, to look at all about the uh, the Patrick Queen thing from yesterday that – where he literally was carted off the field, and then afterwards, John Harbaugh was like, "Well, it's just a knee bruise. We're good there." Like, which, which kind of seemed remarkable given the circumstances. Well, yeah, I did see that video of Patrick Queen. I think he's pretty tough, and, and he took a knee to the lateral thigh, almost back of the knee leg. The good news is, obviously, it hurt like crazy, right? And that's why he had to be carted off. But we weren't expecting a femur fracture like that. There's enough soft tissue and muscle around there. But sometimes the hematoma, a collection of blood locally, can be very painful. But fortunately there, there is the possibility that he could play next week. Okay. Uh, and let's keep that hope alive. It's more just the contusion. Can you mobilize the thigh and get rid of any swelling and blood collection and uh, return to play next week? I mean, That's not, He's not ruled out of that. That would be great news, clearly, if that ends up being from where most of us were feeling when he was leaving the field on a cart to maybe him being able to play next week would be a, a dr- dramatic turnaround. And, 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 and look, you know, obviously it hurt like crazy and he couldn't put weight on it. And, and you know, so they better be safe than sorry, get the x-ray, 
you know, the, the doctors, your good team doctors on the field don't have immediate access to the replay. They're just running out there. Uh, they don't can't slow it down or rewind it like I can in our command center. So precaution was a good thing to, to cart them off. Hopefully it's good news. But this is why I always say when I look at the video, judge the injury, not the reaction to the injury. Sure. I mean, you can't just say a guy's carted off and, and that's where it is. So now I want your listeners to register that I am delivering a piece of good news here with Patrick Queen. That's it's right. Always it's time. Happy. It's about time that we talked about something good. Um, Doc, before I let you go, if I could run this by you real quick, because I'm already seeing this in, in response to what you're saying on the show from some folks, which is, you see, if I was Lamar and I don't have a contract, I, I'm not even trying to come back. I'm just... I'm packing it in. I'm done for the year. Um, and it's interesting to me. Can you tell me about, again, if it's PCL sprain, is there greater risk that you're putting if you choose to play? Or, you know, like, is, is it silly to suggest that just because you might be uncomfortable, you're putting yourself at greater risk of a more significant injury if you try to come back? Well, there's no question injuries can beget injuries. Forget knee injuries, getting it hit the same way or something. But if he's a half a step slow, he risks a lot of other injury, right? And that's a decision that he's going to have to make in conjunction with the team physicians and his physicians, et cetera. It is the collision sport of football. And so there is risk. And, you know, I understand that the contract situation, that's going to be the choice. I always say return to play is a three-headed monster, and it has to be unanimous among the three parties for someone to suit up. And the three parties are medical, has to say, okay. The player has to agree and say, okay. And the team has to say, yes, I think it's a good idea. Now, medical can be the therapist, athletic trainer, or doctor, the player. Sometimes it's the agent or the mom or the player themselves saying they're not comfortable, and some of that may be contractual and risk. And sometimes it's the team, like, oh, well, we're just better off shutting you down or waiting until you're a little more healthy, et cetera. And it has to be unanimous. Any one party that says no, he doesn't return to play. So he does have that option if he chooses to go down that path. I don't know Lamar personally. I mean, he seems like someone who's driven and driven to try and win. So I don't know that he shuts it down, but that I can't get inside of his head. I understand that. I completely understand that. All right, uh, Dr. David Chow, I know there's probably about six billion things that we could plug for you, but what are the most important ones? Well, most important ones is, you know, in-game yesterday at Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, we actually had the update on Lamar. Uh, you know, he was a first-quarter injury, and, and that's kind of what we – arrived at already and uh you know we're just trying to add information for fans as best as possible uh especially when you know coach speak is is kind of the norm and uh and if you look at the field views you know it's too bad i actually thought the ravens were getting healthier finally yeah really not being very healthy and now here comes this this turn of events uh so uh yeah so hopefully we just provide some information for people and remember before people get mad at me. I used to literally, Glenn, I used to literally say this to some GMs when I would meet with them on Monday and they'd, you know, pull their hair out and say, oh, you're always going to give me bad news and all this other <laughs> stuff. I, I always said to them, look, I'm Paul Revere. I'm not the British. I'm right. Just telling right. you yeah, the injuries you are here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, you, I'm you not the invader. I'm not the one injuring that. the players. I didn't cause them. So I understand just that. Just giving some estimates as to what it might be. 
at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, as always, is how you follow him. Dr. David Chow, always a pre- even if we never get to talk, and again, you gave us pleasant news about Patrick Queen, so there is that. But even if we don't normally talk when it's uh, the most pleasant of circumstances, I truly appreciate the insight you provide. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us this morning. All right, thank you. Dr. David Chow with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. And again, we will have to kind of play the waiting game. Um, his thought, uh, PCL sprain, it's definite, like, missed time. There's no, the, the days part of that gets thrown out the window. If, for whatever reason, it is just a kneecap contusion, that that would be the best case scenario for the Ravens. Um, it was interesting that Lamar came back to the field yesterday in the second half. Um, you know, did, did that mean that he knew he had gotten some good news or, or it was just the reality? Hey, look, it ain't good news, but I want to be out there anyway. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, but, um, you know, he thinks PCL spray. That's what he thinks. And he thinks that's going to be a couple of weeks. And these are important weeks. Like you can say, well, Hey, there's not a daunting game on the schedule until Cincinnati, but as I kept, I've said a million times, if you think the Ravens are just waltzing through these games against the Steelers and the Browns in particular, and even Atlanta has been much pluckier than I think a lot of people want to recognize they've been, but if you think that they're just waltzing through these division games, you're nuts. You're insane. And particularly without Lamar Jackson, you're insane. So... Sets up what could be a difficult few weeks here, starting with this game against the Steelers. Um, yes, I have seen the Baker Mayfield news. Thank you to those of you who checked in. I did see the Baker Mayfield news. Um, quite the precipitous fall for Baker Mayfield. Uh, a lot of people think the 49ers will maybe kind of say, hey, look, if nothing else, even if you don't have confidence in Baker Mayfield, it can't hurt to have him as an option if this doesn't work with Brock Purdy. And I think it's fair to say that you maybe be in a better situation if you're Baker Mayfield and you were forced to play in San Francisco than when you were playing in Carolina. But I mean, what we saw Baker Mayfield was disastrous. I mean, was yeah. it, it? It was untenable. Like I don't know how to explain how bad it got, but I mean, this wasn't. This wasn't. Hey, it's rough, but you can still see it. Like this was as bad as we've seen. Maybe it wasn't Zach Wilson. Like, that was about as bad as we've seen any quarterback this season, but it was bad. It's like, is he really a better option than Josh Johnson? Is, I, it's, if he plays like that, then you yeah. know the answer is yeah. he's not a better option than anything. But probably would wait for him to clear waivers, maybe? Like, oh, you, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the money he still owed. and Yeah, for sure you would do that. But, I mean, I, I again, could it? What does it hurt? I don't know that it hurts. And if you feel like you could put him in there and say, you're going to do significantly less here if you have to. Like, it seems like Brock Purdy is going to be their guy. Like, he's been in the system. He's He's been around. He's been in practice. They want him to be the guy. They wouldn't be picking up Baker Mayfield to say, you're going to be our quarterback. It's more, what if in the next couple of weeks we find out that Brock Purdy can't do it and we need to see if somebody can get us by for a couple of games? It wouldn't stun me for them to take a chance on it. I mean, it's it's a veteran. They signed Josh Johnson. Like, it's a veteran quarterback that's available. Maybe. Maybe. But to expect anything from it? No. Not a chance. All right, when we come back in, we will go over uh, pats on the ass. 
Hope that uh, you got yours in. I mean, we got a bunch in this morning, so we'll go over Pat's on the ass. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular, and we will kind of wind things down. Stan the Fan, Charles Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson are going to be hosting a kind of baseball meetings roundtable today on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Sports. You can check it out, 6 o'clock. Stan Ross Grimsley and Press Box editor Luke Jackson just going to go over big picture. Of course, the Orioles already made a huge move, well, two huge moves, because they got both Franchi Cordero and Kyle Gibson. It's big. It's big. Look, man, I, a lot of people are sort of going the route of Kyle Gibson is their Jordan Lyles for this year. Like, it's a, it's a cheaper version of Jordan Lyles, and that might prove to be the case. Obviously, he had a disastrous season a year ago, but he had a pretty good season two years ago. And their thought is, with the wall and with the defense that might be behind him, we can make Kyle Gibson this year's version of Jordan Lyles. And considering how we felt about Jordan Lyles a year ago, you can't hate it. Yeah, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you if if they think this is the answer to like solving their pitching problems, that's crazy. But that he, if the, if this essentially is, we've identified our next Jordan Lyles. Kyle Gibson's going to play the role of Jordan Lyles, you know, I, it's not impossible. I can't say with certainty that he will, but it's definitely not impossible that it ends up working out that way. They'll talk more about that today on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Uh, it is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today umbc basketball is back at chesapeake employers insurance arena and tickets are available now at umbcretrievers.com don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals morgan state on december 10th and the women square off with american on december 18th and on new year's day a rematch of last year's america east championship game when the men welcome vermont to the peak Experience the excitement of game day by getting your tickets right now to come see the Retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at umbcretrievers.com. Join the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park for Christmas Tide Stakes Day on Monday, December 26th. An exciting day of live horse racing awaits you with a whopping six stakes races worth $600,000 in prize money. Plus, enjoy a specially curated stakes buffet, a delicious hot chocolate bar, and hot cider cocktails. It may be cold, but Laurel Park has plenty of horse racing excitement, food, and beverages to keep you warm. Don't miss Christmas Tide Stakes Day at Laurel Park. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. 
Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season, discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a a three-and-a-half-star review, too. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the show. I don't think I've done any yelling today. I think I got all that out of my system yesterday. People still checking in about it. I actually used it for the column that I wrote today at PressBoxOnline.com, which... My my point, if you missed it, there was a caller, Brian and Owings Mills. Brian wanted John Harbaugh held accountable. And I don't know why. It was it was on the heels of, like, the two calls. The, I, I'll, I'll dissect it. The two calls we had gotten before that were uh, uh, Franchise, who I love. I've known Franchise for a long time. Franchise saying um, this was the start of the Tyler Huntley era. <laughs> and then the previous call was about uh, Sean Payton. And I was already like, just, what are we doing? Like, what is going on here? When Brian came in to say that John Harbaugh needed to be held accountable for, for and, I, and I just, I snapped. I snapped. I, like, sometimes what I do is performative. Rita would not let me get away with saying this was performative. I, my face was red. She, she kept saying, I'm really mad I didn't take a picture of you. Your face was red. I was beside myself. What are we talking about? It's they're eight and four. What are you talking about? Held accountable for what? How dare they? How dare they? How dare you be the head coach of an eight and four football team? How dare you? They're eight and four. Now, what I wrote today at pressboxonline.com sort of picks it up from there, which is I, again, if we had all been in a reasonable place yesterday, if we had a conversation. Brian and I might have ultimately gotten to what I ended up writing about, which is Brian's probably I don't and I don't know Brian. Maybe I know Brian. Maybe it's somebody that I've interacted with and I just don't realize I haven't put the two dots together. Like there's some Brian's that I tweet with regularly and maybe I'm just not clicking that that's Brian and Owings Mills, so I apologize Brian and Owings Mills if, if you are somebody that I um and Brian's a regular caller to the post game show too. Um but maybe if we had you know talked today, we would have work this through he would have said dude i'm not saying you're firing him right now i'm just saying that like if this continue and i keep saying those words if this continues if the ravens inability to run the ball which is the singular reason why greg roman would be the offensive coordinator and why they continue to commit to this philosophy of football if they are continue they continue to fail to be able to run the ball then they they do they have to sit down and and discuss a lot of things. It's not as simple as just the easiest thing to say is if they can't figure out how to run the ball, Greg Roman's got to go. 
you guys wanted Greg Roman to go when they were running the ball. You just didn't like it. So I don't, no offense, I don't listen to you when it comes to this. When they were running the ball well, those weeks, again, those, those Tampa Bay and New Orleans games, when they were dominant, it was silly to talk about Greg Roman. Now the Greg Roman conversation has taken a, a weird turn with the Stanford thing. What do you do? If he gets the job, do you let him go now? Do you say you need to stick around even if they're not running the ball? It was brought up, I think, by Jeff Zrebeck on Twitter yesterday. Like, you might not like what they're doing right now, but imagine a backup quarterback having to play for another couple of weeks. Like, what if Greg Roman accepts the Stanford job Thursday? And you might have to play a backup quarterback. Who's calling the plays if you let Greg Roman leave? Everybody's enamored with the idea of, like, T. Martin being the offensive coordinator. The same T. Martin who was so good at calling plays at USC that he didn't get to do it. Are you going to give a backup quarterback in a divisional football game someone who has never called plays before in the NFL that responsibility? Even if you think that Greg Roman should go. There are so many layers to this that it's a very awkward spot. But eventually, I could get to the place where I could say, if it doesn't get fixed, and we have to keep leaving room for that, should Lamar Jackson get back on the field? Should Ronnie Stanley return? Should Gus Edwards start looking a little bit more like Gus Edwards? Should J.K. Dobbins get, get back? It's not impossible. Should that happen, well, we have a different conversation, but if it doesn't, and I get it, the way we're feeling right now is that it won't. If it doesn't, the entire organization's got to sit down and have a come to Jesus. Now, it is weird as hell. Apparently, there's been some movement over on RussellStreetReport.com that, much like Ken Zalas, people are uniquely blaming John Harbaugh for the organizational philosophy. There is nothing truthful about that. I don't know where that's come from. I don't know how that started, but it's definitely not true. It might be a philosophy that John Harbaugh likes, but this is not a, you know, the front office desperately wants to do something else and they're being forced to do it because John Harbaugh yields so much power over the entire organization. I mean, to be clear, John Harbaugh and Steve Bishotti are very close, but there is no... John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta are also very close. I don't know if you've heard their neighbors. You guys talk about it all the time. Like, there is not some weird thing where Steve doesn't like it and Eric doesn't like it, but they all have to answer to John Harbaugh. That's not true. But if you get to the end of the season and Steve Bishotti says, all right, we gave this five years, and we don't have much to show for it. We got a lot of regular season wins, but we don't have any, you know, we don't have a, a even an AFC championship game appearance to show for it. One or two playoff wins, whatever it is. If that's the case, and he says, I'm the guy, the you know, buck stops with me, it's time for us to reconsider. We've, we've failed when it comes to the wide receiver position. We've failed... We thought we could zig when everybody else zagged, and boy, we were close, but it's just not there. Then absolutely, present it to the entire organization 
And if John Harbaugh says, yeah, I'm not really interested in doing something else. I want to I want to keep being a run-dominant team that doesn't have wide receivers. I don't want to be the coach anymore. Then, then have an awkward conversation. Say we're not doing that any longer. Talk about it. But the idea of firing John Harbaugh being the first answer that you have is just lazy. And it goes back, it's always boring. The Greg Roman thing was boring until they stopped running the ball. Now it's not boring any longer. It's just that you're not having that conversation. You just hate Greg Roman for whatever reason. There's a warranted Greg Roman conversation right now. He's here to run the ball, and they're not running the ball. If you can't run the ball, you're not doing anything else. You got to go. Again, they got time to try to fix that. I wrote about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. I would encourage you to go check it out. Today's show is also brought to you by doing some deep breathing. Today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. UFC fight coming up on Saturday night. What's the fight this Saturday? It is Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Blachowicz. Yes! They're the interim light heavyweight belt. Why is there an interim light so heavyweight So it was supposed to be, they're supposed to run back Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira. Ah, right. And then uh, uh, Prohaska got an injury like two weeks ago. I think it was some okay. shoulder surgery. And, um, and they offered Glover, but... They said they would only give Glover a title shot against uh, Magomed, not against Jan. And Magomed is a big wrestler, so he was like, "I don't want to, I, two weeks is not enough time to prepare for this guy." Okay. So Glover is like, "I'll just." So they just moved. So these two were supposed to fight on the card okay. earlier, and okay. they were like, "All right, well, let's just make these two the title." This the is the fight. light, the, the interim light heavyweight championship, and Correct. the Patty the Batty is also. Oh yeah, on this Patty card. the Batty is the co-main event. Yeah, he there will be there in I believe they're in Vegas this week. So all right, in so front the, of a. Packed house. Big UFC fight on yeah. Saturday night. You will be able to watch and bet on it in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Um, you reserve your spot because there's always huge crowds for UFC fights. Even if you say, well, I can bet from my couch right now. Well, you still have to pay for the pay-per-view. That's the way that it works. Mm. And you don't have to do that in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. So I highly recommend doing that instead. Win money, come out on top in the FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino and Hotel. You know how Pats on the Ass works after a Ravens win. Even if it wasn't an exhilarating Ravens win, you pick five Ravens. You rank them five to one. Got to include two offensive players, two defensive players. The fifth can be whoever you'd like. Even if, say, the team only scored ten points, you still have to have two offensive players on the list, even if it's tough. Um, and the fifth, again, can be another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. After you rank them, the point being that number one would be your man of the match. I will begin my number five this week. Um, popped up on a couple other people's lists. Glad I wasn't the only person that noticed it. Kayvon Seymour uh, was my number five. And, like, the coverage was good all day. Worley was really good in coverage as well. But specifically... The final kickoff of the game ended up being really important, like really crucially important because, and I don't remember if it was the 18 or the set, whatever, they pinned him inside, the, they got the tackle was inside the 20-yard line, and imagine if the Broncos had gotten, say, like five more yards on that return. I mean, it was very important in determining the winner of the football game, so... I get it. There could have been other defensive players. I had to leave Justin Matabike off the list, and I didn't like that because you know he made a huge third down stop earlier in the game. But winning football plays at the end of the game, when the game is in, it's it's always going to register a little bit more for me. And Kevon Seymour 
made a huge winning football play at the end of the game. He's my number five. Yeah, he was on my list too. Uh, my number five, however, I, I had him at four. Uh, my number five was Devin Duvernay. Um, he was my second offensive pick. Uh, nice. You know, I, it, it was tough to find anyone, I feel like, uh, yeah. on offense. Um, but I think they used him effectively. He was a factor in both the run game and the pass game. Yeah. And so I liked that. I liked th- There was a fourth or was a third and short or something where uh, they, they, had him in a, they had him motioning right. in the jet sweep and right. then Huntley faked the handoff and ended up keeping it. They, they had to account for Duvernay because they'd been running that earlier. So I, I thought Duvernay had a solid game, you know, of a very you know mediocre offensive day. It was uh, a mediocre offense day. I thought they were better candidates. I I didn't. I thought he was meh. Um, I thought they were better candidates. And again, some of it is the context of the game situation that I ended up choosing. Cho- chosen. They ended up choosing because um, most people seem to put Demarcus Robinson as their second offensive yeah. player or Kevin Zeitler. I actually thought Kevin Zeitler kind of got punched around a little bit yeah. during the course of the day um, by his standards because he's been so good this season. Um, but. Kenyon Drake was actually the easy choice for me as number four, and it wasn't really as much as the fact that he actually ran for four yards per carry because it was only on like seven carries. It was more the play that set up the touchdown. Like that was to me a massive, and I don't know who's talking, but I don't care for them. (laughs) And you could say that that's as much as on Tyler Huntley as it is on Kenyon Drake, sure, but a lot of players give up. Clearly that play was designed for Kenyon Drake to be in the flat, and it would be easy for Kenyon Drake to, to just sit in the flat and or or to kind of give it like a you know a, a a run for the sake of running afterwards. All right, the flight's not there, so I'll just try to move. He ran a route afterwards. He turned that into a wheel route. So much so that Rita like and I were Rita was like, "Did they just run a real wheel route?" I'm like, "No, not a wheel route." But he 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 you know kind of freelanced a wheel route out of being the option in the flat. It was really clever and obviously a very good throw from Tyler Huntley. Not a you know, big downfield throw, but put it in a spot where even though there was another defender coming, you know, it wasn't at risk in that position. That was a big play in setting up what was the game-winning touchdown um, that kind of was out of nowhere. And that alone was enough for me to have Kenyon Drake be on the list as my number four. Gotcha. Uh, that's. Yeah. I guess that's fine. Uh, I would have... the the. Going back to the Prochet interception, it felt like maybe he could have, like, Drake could have tried to knock that down. Dude, there were four like, defenders. I know there were four I, defenders. Like, stop. Was, there was nothing I mean, that yeah, was Drake was play. doing. It was a horrible it was, play. It was atrocious. Now, again, the, I don't... You Everybody's getting all worked up about the call for different reasons. Like, nothing they were doing was working. I don't really have a problem with them going to a trick play on a day where nothing is working. Clearly, the Broncos were not at all fooled by the trick play, and partly because nothing's working and you've done nothing to suggest that that's a play that you're running with James Prochet. So I get it, but I have no problem trying it saying, let's see, to to Femi's point, throw it away or if, run it. If yeah. James Prochet isn't at a place where he knows he can't throw that ball, then you can't, you know, the play can't be in your playbook. I don't know where the blame goes between the two. I'm in a weird place with James Prochet. I think so little of him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I wish that I felt something about James Prochet the way that you guys do because Steve Smith talks about him. Oh, James Porsche. Um, I, I wish that. I don't. It's also like not using him isn't the reason why I wouldn't have a play for him. He clearly can throw the ball. I mean, he actually, the th- he's got a, an arm, obviously. Um, but he clearly needed to know in that situation whatever you do, you don't throw that ball. And given the arm he has, it would have been easy to just throw it out of the back of the end zone. So 
I'm frustrated by that, but you know, it has nothing to do with Kenyon Drake. I mean, that 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 there's four dudes there. What yeah. in the yeah. world is Kenyon Drake doing in that situation? Uh, yeah, my four was Seymour. Um, you know, he was big. Yeah. They yeah. they, they was dominated big. the field position battle, which was big. It helped that the Broncos punter was very bad. Um, uh, but yeah, so Seymour was my four. He uh, yeah, everything you said. He made tackles. He was all over the place on the special teams all day. So he was my four, Kevon Seymour. Uh, my number three is where it start, starts getting easier to me. No offense. I, a couple of you are putting Tyler Huntley higher on your list. I, I don't know how you can do that. Um, Tyler Huntley's number three. He was the best offensive player on a day where there weren't, wasn't a lot of good offense. The interception was dreadful. I mean, it was it was unthinkable. No one. I, I Even if you're a backup quarterback, you can't throw that ball. And I said the same thing about, you know, Lamar Jackson. You know, they, they, nobody can throw that ball. Awful. Just wretched. And he didn't do a lot. Like, he did exactly what the Ravens gave him. He kept the ball underneath. And the only downfield throw of substance, of course, was the pass interference to Mark Andrews on the right sideline, which, you know, I've, I don't think there's a chance in hell that that was ever going to be a complete pass, but they got it anyway, right? Like, they got the call that they wanted in that situation. Um, he was fine, he was fine for a Broncos game, and he's a fine backup quarterback in the NFL if the stakes are low. Um, there's nothing that he's showing you that says that he's anything. I, I, we all get we all get enamored by certain things, but you're not seeing anything from Tyler Huntley that's saying, "Boy, they got a gem here." They've got a fine backup quarterback, and that's as I keep trying to. If we were willing to talk legit, realistically about Tyler Huntley, there's an amazing story there that you can go from undrafted to being one of the 40 best quarterbacks in all of football is an amazing story. It's incredible. But to try to pretend like it's more than that just makes us look foolish. Um, did what he needed to do on the final drive of the game, and you give him credit for it, you give him his flowers, but he is definitely number three on the list. Uh, he's higher on mine. Um, uh, my number three, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he was my... Second defensive guy. I thought you know. I thought he had a really solid game. He made he, was, he had a, a great game. He's yeah. number two on the list. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he made himself a factor in the pass rush. Great in coverage. He's Marlon Humphrey, and he's whenever they win, I feel like he's always going to be on the list. So Marlon I'm, Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's had a, an incredible season. He's had an awesome, outstanding season. He is definitely number two on the list. Uh, my number two, Roquan Smith. Boy, you you really you really did this. Of course I did it. I was, I, you really did this. He was leading tackler, defense that had no choice to be great. Uh, Roquan Smith, uh, he, he's thriving in the Ravens in this Ravens defense, um, and uh, and he's he, he's making all the tackles. He's uh, he was been a great addition. So Roquan Smith, my number two. Roquan Smith is definitely number one. He was by far the best player on the field yesterday. I don't know what we're doing here. Maybe it's a flaw in my Pat's grading system <laughs> or analysis, but I think it's almost always going to be the quarterback for me. It's, they, it's a they, real. We, they, we, he we, went. Tyler Huntley went and won the game. He, he he put together a nice one. drive. It, you you can't with a straight face try to suggest that Tyler Huntley was the best player on the field yesterday. I, I think I think they don't win the game without him. That's hundred percent. They don't win the sure. game without dominating on defense to give them the chance to do anything also offensively. <laughs> That's what ha they don't. They had to dominate defensively. I mean, Mark Andrews is going down there with a ninety-one yard drive, and you, you and know what? You make a good point. <laughs> He's a better quarterback option than Mark Andrews. I will give yeah, I mean, you yeah, that. He had a long day, but at the end of it, he, he leaned on the defense when he when he had to, and uh, and then he put together a, a drive to go win the football game, and he did do those and things 
that that we're, we're not we're not making this we're not making a pass on the ass list without Tyler Huntley. So that's why he was number three on the list. That's he why he's was number the best one on the list. Play. He's definitely not number one. He was definitely not the best football player yesterday. There's no world I in which Tyler Huntley was the best player on the field. You have yesterday. to value the quarterback position the most. You, and we're having whether a, we lo- win or lose. I think this is a, this almost, is this is a you know new, this is a new thing. They, it's they, not, this isn't a thing. It's the quarterback. I, he, Griffin. That just being the quarterback isn't enough. And he won, but he won the game. <laughs> he literally. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Went and won the game. He had a good drive. There's no doubt. It was enough that he should be the highest ranked offensive player of the day because no one, none of the other offensive players were good. If there were other offensive players that were good, I don't even know that he would have been on the list, right? Like there weren't other options. Yeah. But pretending like the totality of the game didn't occur. The way this team's built, it's always it's always on the quarterback. It's not always on the quarterback. It's almost the exact opposite of that. The way this team is built, it's always on the defense now. Like they built so that the defense is the story. We've been t- we've been talking about it all season how the, the, the way the league is set up now, defenses don't necessarily win games not, anymore. Not it, like the two thousand Ravens. It's quarterback play. Did, you didn't. You. You. I'm, I'm, and this is. I'm being trying to be as. You watched that football game yesterday, and you think that they won it because of quarterback play and not because of defense. On the final drive, absolutely. You, 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 I didn't ask it, that question. I asked. You think they won the football game yesterday? Because of quarterback play and not because of defense. At, at the end of the day, yeah, oh yeah. God. I mean, both uh, they, they don't win it without either. Um, but Tyler Huntley <sighs> won the game. Oh, Tyler Huntley didn't win the game. He put together a winning drive. He did not win the game. They won the game because the defense somehow magically. Didn't allow more than nine points. Well, it's the Broncos' offense. Too. I understand that plays a role. Nobody's taking that away. I definitely nobody is going to dismiss that. It's far easier for a defense to do it when the Broncos' offense is on the other side of the field. Yeah. Still, I think both were great. No, they weren't both great. Tyler, Tyler Huntley, Huntley was won the serviceable, game. and he was good for a drive. And that's he was that's what serviceable to do. at best. That's what you have to do as a quarterback in twenty twenty. No, you gotta be no. You manage the game Stop. and won. You know better. I don't. You I don't know think better. I, do. I don't. Think and if I you do. don't, it's, then we got to talk about it more. If we're doing a pass on the ass list for every game, God. it's almost always going to be. You know what? In Minnesota, if we were in Minnesota, he wouldn't. The quarterback wouldn't be my number one. But <laughs> that's the only place. I am. I got, I got nothing. I got. It's the quarterback. Quarter, I'm aware. Quarterback-driven league. I'm aware. You know, Lamar Jackson played roughly the same amount of game that Tyler Huntley did. So why isn't he on your list? He's he played a, the same amount of game. Roughly. No, he, he played. He what, got a quarter. No, he got hurt in the second quarter. Early in the second quarter. He played. Why is he not on the he list? Had, he threw four passes. I. You're telling me it's the quarterback. Lamar Jackson didn't win the game. You're sitting here playing. He didn't it's win the, the game. Well, Tyler Huntley played. He he played more and he oh, and he finished it. God. So. I give up. Tyler Huntley's number one. No, not in any world. By the way, I think somebody else did have Tyler Huntley number one on there. And they're smart. I couldn't. No, it's not that. Let's find out who that it's was. Not that. Somebody else had Tyler Huntley, and I just couldn't. I'm like, what? Uh, Brian? Uh, maybe it might be multiple people because maybe this is the one. Is maybe this is the guy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um. Oh, and multiple people have now had Tyler Huntley number one. Look at you. You've got yeah, a lot see? of company now with Tyler Huntley at number one. Y'all are nuts. Y'all are insane. It's because they understand the quarterback. No, it's not Wins that. football games. It's because you're blinded by, by judging things by the last thing that you saw. 
The last thing that you saw that's also was true. Tyler Huntley and scoring a touchdown. Recency so bias is a thing. And that's what happens. And so you just block out the fact that there had to be 60 minutes of game to get you to that point. Like, I like Tyler. It's also the romantic feeling that we have about the backup quarterback. It, for whatever, we are always romantic about backup quarterbacks. I'll never be able to explain it. In every city, the most beloved person is the backup quarterback. Even in the cities where the, the quarterback is popular, you love the backup quarterback because it's always that he could be great. He's not great. We know that he's not great. He's serviceable, and he was serviceable yesterday. And I'm appreciative of his serviceability. I, I keep trying to say it's a great story that he's serviceable because nobody thought he could be serviceable coming out of college. And he is proving that wrong. That's a wonderful story if we're willing to tell it. We don't want to. We instead want to make it something that it isn't. We want to pretend like he won the football game yesterday. The, I mean, <sighs> it, he did. It, Roquan it, Smith has the same game, and they, they almost lost. And that, But if Tyler Huntley isn't on the field. Yes, then and we wouldn't do pats on the ass because they would have lost the game. You're right about that. Yeah. But if anyone, if, if you play for the totality of the game and you can't deliver one scoring drive, there's a bigger problem there. A far bigger problem. Wait, he, did, he, he delivered one a scoring drive. Scoring drive. Two scoring drives. The field goal. Oh, sorry. One touchdown drive. See, yeah, I see a lot here with Tyler Huntley. Oh, I just saw the same thing. All of a sudden, it came in. Heavy Everyone's on, got hot. Came in heavy on Tyler Huntley in the last. All these. Everybody wants to be in love with the backup quarterback. Everybody wants to do that. My God. My God. <sighs> love you guys. I love all of you. And I'm not going to do the thing that I did yesterday. I'm not, you're not going to get me start screaming. But you're all smarter than... Well, I don't know all of you. I, th- I keep thinking that Griffin's smarter than this. I keep thinking that. This is how I feel. I think... You, you don't get to, get to say that. Like, if I what? said that the earth is made out of, uh, of sugar, <laughs> I don't just get to back that up by saying, well, it's how I feel. Stop. Come on, man. It's a Continue to get me yours. Mm-hmm. It's... Yes, and if he had played well yesterday, if what Tyler he did, Huntley, he won the he game. He didn't play well. He averaged five point something yards. It was enough to win the game. That's great. He Scored didn't the play well. He had a mediocre performance. Roquan Smith was a monster. Marlon Humphrey was incredible. The defense is why they won the football game. Now it could have been worse. You're right. It could have been worse. And Tyler Huntley deserves credit for the fact that it wasn't worse. But he's not why they won the football game yesterday. Not in a million years is he the reason why they won the football game yesterday. They could have had Russell Wilson. He stinks. He's worse. He's not one of the 40 best quarterbacks in football any longer. He's, I'm not sure if he's one of the 60 best quarterbacks in football at this point. Uh, even if you think that Tyler Huntley was number one yesterday, continue to get you your lists at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. and We will continue to share them throughout the day because I – I don't know. It's just part of what we do. That's the way it works around here. Uh, Pats on the ass. We're also brought to you today by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now on the cover. Kevin Willard. Last couple of weeks for this issue of Press Box with the very successful first-year head coach, Maryland Basketball, on the cover. Go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all. Pressboxonline.com. Um, yeah, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Maryland basketball. I know we kind of covered it. Night, obviously, a very nice win. And they didn't even play all that well on Friday night. Like, Jameer Young played well, obviously. It was amazing. Um, they played okay on Friday night, and yet they figured out a way to win that game. 
um, which is pretty remarkable. Didn't talk at all about the soccer. Huge bummer, obviously. Massive bummer, but couldn't really be all that unexpected. Um, it just kind of is what it is. I did not believe. When all Everybody that came on last week was like, I think the U.S. has a chance. I did not necessarily agree with them. I did not think they I, – I thought their best hope was to play a really defensive match, and obviously the defense was horrible. I mean, like, was just wretched throughout the course of the game. So, you know, it was what it was. Uh, and we talked on Friday about – what's that? A new top 25 in the college basketball just dropped. Okay. So Maryland, 13. Very cool. 13. Um, and we had talked on Friday about the Hall of Fame thing. Indeed, only Fred McGriff gets into the Hall of Fame, which is just stupid. Not, no offense to Fred McGriff. Like, I mean, good, good for him. And I certainly think he has a Hall of Fame argument. But for God's sakes, the number of people that continue to look at this and fail, and particularly, like the, the most embarrassing part of it is the David Ortiz thing. It's so embarrassing that David Ortiz was allowed to be in the Hall of Fame despite being a steroid user and the guys that were drastically better than David Ortiz, no offense, aren't allowed to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's it's such a stain for the entire sport. I, I didn't care for it when David Ortiz wasn't in the Hall of Fame. I thought it was embarrassing. This ends, it's a charade now. It's all a sham. You don't, there's nothing to stand on. There is no argument for Barry Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame. You don't get to say, well, he used steroids. Like the guy that you put in, overwhelmingly, that we know use steroids, and you can try to hide. Well, the results weren't supposed to come out. No, stop. There is a positive test for David Ortiz. It happened. Stop. You're embarrassing yourselves. It's an embarrassment and a stain on the entire sport. And at some point, someone in the sport has got to be the one to sit down and say. To find the 16 people that we can put on a committee that would just vote to get Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame so we can be done with this. So that we don't have to continue to deal with how embarrassing this is. It was interesting. Somebody brought up to me the Kurt Schilling thing, right? Like, I said on Friday, using the word politics is thoughtless. Kurt Schilling's politics have nothing to do with why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I keep trying to tell you guys there are way more Trump supporters in the Hall of Fame than there are people that aren't. It's that he's a repugnant human. It's that he has said truly vile, awful things about large groups of people. And I don't really have an issue with someone's repugnance being what keeps him out of the Hall of Fame. I made a comparison. I said, I accept that there are repugnant people that are in Ty Cobb. Now, apparently, Sam Angel says there's a whole Ty Cobb truther movement where, like, maybe he wasn't the vile racist that everybody thinks that he is. Like, maybe, maybe... Some of that was made up. I don't know, and so I'm going to back out of that because, believe it or not, I'm not a Ty Cobb expert. Um, but the Kurt Schilling thing was always very difficult. He wasn't nearly enough of a slam dunk. I get it. He finished with over 3,000 strikeouts. But Burt Blylevin had to take a while to get into the Hall of Fame, too. It wasn't 3,000 strikeouts wasn't 3,000 hits. It wasn't the, yes, they're in. Like The guys with 3,000 strikeouts are mostly in. But I am never going to fight about keeping a repugnant human being out. And you could say Barry Bonds wasn't a likable guy, but he's not a repugnant human. He was a bad guy to deal with. He was unlikable. I've told I've got my own personal Barry Bonds story. But the second he showed up on a Hall of Fame ballot, get the F out of here. I it's it's bad. It's really bad for the sport. And the sport at some point should be somebody's gotta step in. 
and be the caretaker of an entire sport to say, dude, what we thought, like us thinking we were getting our revenge on Barry Bonds is working the exact opposite way. It's embarrassing us. We look like idiots. It's reflecting poorly on the whole of the sport, and we have to fix it. We got one over on him. We kept him out for a long time. We, we showed him for being such a jerk. Now it's making us look like fools, and we got to do something about that. Tubular, or tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by UMBC Basketball. Whew, UMBC continues to roll, man. They continue to uh, put up a lot of points. Yeah, a fun Shit. brand of basketball to watch. What? Yeah, they don't miss. They, man, great shooting team. They really are. They are continuing to be a really entertaining basketball team. And I would encourage you to get out to the peak to check them out, man. They are worth your dollar. UMBC's got a big game against Morgan State coming up on Saturday. You can be there for that one this Saturday, December 10th. They have a huge America East Championship rematch coming up with Vermont on New Year's Day. Get your tickets for both of those, umbcretrievers.com. The women take on American on December 18th as well. Again, umbcretrievers.com to get your tickets and experience game day at the peak. All right, we were just talking about the 49ers defense being so good, uh, so this, this is a, so funny enough. They uh, allowed seven points on the opening uh, scrimmage play against the Dolphins because the Dolphins had, I think, what was it, Sherwin or what, what's his? I forget what his name is. Uh, but he, they, they allowed zero points in their previous ninety-four. Sherwin. Sherwood. Sherwood. The the, the 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 receiver that Sherfield. Uh, Sherfield. Trent Sherfield. Yes, Sherfield. <laughs> uh, zero points in the previous ninety-four minutes of gameplay entering Week Thirteen. The 49ers defense had allowed, uh, and then of course they allow seven points on the. Uh, Opening play <laughs> against the Dolphins, but it went on the win. Yeah, so. sure did. Uh, AJ Brown uh, had his his revenge game was very real. Uh, he had more receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns than all of the Titans wide receivers combined in uh, Week 13 yesterday. Eight <sighs> catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, in fairness, Traylon Burks got yes, knocked Traylon out of that game, out. and I'm not trying to say that it would have been a drastically different yeah. different game, but you did see like. Yeah. <laughs> He got knocked out on one of the most amazing plays that you'll mm-hmm. see somebody make to hold on to that ball. Uh, so, so AJ had eight for 119. Uh, receiver, All the Titans receivers combined had four for 41 and one touchdown. Um, that was including Traylon Brooks, obviously, before he got hurt. Uh, and then finally, Devontae Adams now has four games this season with 100 receiving yards and two, uh, two receiving touchdowns. Um, that is the most such in a season in Raiders history and it got me thinking about who would have the most such games of all time so 100 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns who has the most games I would like to exactly two or two or more uh two or more two or more so so 100 plus two plus touchdowns um Uh, give me the top eight let's do the top eight okay uh I'll assume Randy Moss Randy Moss is number two with 26 such games 100 yards receiving Jerry Rice Jerry Rice will be number one with 27 um uh Terrell Owens Terrell Owens is number four with 17 so yes I'll say man I will say these are the easy ones for me. Like, and I get that you probably some of the rest of these are very easy as well. I'll still say Julio Jones. Julio Jones is just on the outside. He is twelfth with eleven. Um, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, not Larry Fitzgerald. Surprising. Yeah. 
How about Calvin Johnson? Uh, not Calvin Johnson. He I, had I get it. Only he, ten. He didn't play very long, yeah. but he's still kind of surprised that he didn't get there. Only ten. Um, how about man? How about I'll just go through him. Isaac Bruce. Uh, not Isaac Bruce. Tory Holt. Not Tory Holt. Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison, number three. 22 games for Marvin Harrison. Reggie Wayne. Not Reggie Wayne. Chris Carter. Chris Carter rounds out the top eight with 13. How about... So you need two more. How about... How about... Man, I don't know. Uh, How about... Tim Brown. Not Tim Brown. He had 11. Tied with Julio. Steve Smith. Not Steve Smith. Not sure he has less than Andre nine. Johnson. Not Andre Johnson. All right, uh, Andre Johnson had nine actually, but uh, not on the list. Not on the list. All right, it's twelve twenty nine. Uh, both of them are out of the league. Uh, one is very very old. Uh, Don Hudson. Not Don Hudson. You got the first name right. Oh, Don Maynard. Don Maynard has sixteen with the New York Jets, and then one more uh, kind of in the news cycle last week at least. Oh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, oh, 14. All right. All right. Um, and there are three more guys tied with Chris Carter. Uh, Steve Largent, okay. Bob Hayes, and Lance Allworth. All right. All right. Yeah. That might have taken me a little bit for yeah. some of those. Might have taken Bob Hayes in particular probably <laughs> would have taken me a bit. All right. Very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by uh, Pressbox's offers page, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Right now, so many great offers for you as you still try to figure out signing up and trying to take advantage of great offers for sports betting. Go right now to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. You can get $200 in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Oh, um, what happened with Japan and Croatia? Uh, good question. I don't even know. I know. Uh, this afternoon, Brazil and South Korea, two on Fox. Uh, John Proctor was trying to keep track of... Oh, they're an extra time. One oh, one. they're an extra time. 1-1. One, one, one. One. Ooh, very dramatic. They're in the 119th minute right now. How about that? Ooh, so they made, uh, they're a minute away from PKs, That's is what you're saying. Yes, yes. I like that. Uh, ESPN tonight, and I. this one's on... E- for some reason, the Mannings came back for this one. The <laughs> Saints and Buccaneers at 8.15. This is for the division. Of course they came football. back. NBC Sports Washington Capitals, Oilers at 8.30. NHL Network, Blues Rangers at 7. NBA TV, Suns Mavs at 8.30. USA Network, WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 8 as well. Anything non-sports-wise? Uh, not a whole lot. Naomi Osaka is going to be on Stephen Colbert. I do enjoy Naomi Osaka. Um, Bad news today that the ESPN is not sending their broadcasters to Australia. They're just having everybody work from home. Uh, dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. If you can't do it, don't be the partner. Let somebody else have a shot at it. I mean, or hire local people. I've said this before, too. Like, this is infuriating about the people that do this for, like, low-level college basketball. I get, for the most part, like, the real events, everybody's back to being in person. But, like, low-level, lower-level college basketball games on ESPNU where they still have somebody, like, broadcasting the game from home, there is somebody in Lafayette, Louisiana, that is capable of broadcasting a game on ESPNU. You don't have to fly in you're the the same people to do all these games. You can just hire someone locally, a talent local, to call the game instead so that they're actually at the game and feeling it and involved with it instead of being like, well, um, uh, instead of not knowing what's going on. It's so insanely dumb. I, it would suck because I like ESPN's tennis personalities. It would suck 
for it not to be, you know, Chris Everett and for it not to be Mary Jo Fernandez and Brad Gilbert and Darren Cahill, but there's somebody in Australia. I mean, I assume Darren Cahill will be there anyway. I don't know. He is uh, Jason Goodall is, I think, based out of Australia. Like, there's somebody in Australia that is capable of calling the tennis that's there. Just hire them for the tournament. Or don't do it. Just it's very infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barmageddon. Nobody else cares because I'm the only one. Well, I, I mean, I no, that's, I mean, that's a, a very good point. I think you're right. Um, Barmageddon is a new series premiering on USA. Uh, the, the celebrities are going to do bar games uh, on this game show. Hosted so one of the Bella twins is yes, involved. Yes, Nikki Bella is hosting it. Okay. Uh, and at Carson Daly and Blake, or is Carson, I don't know if Carson Daly is co-hosting or, as well, but Bla- it's at Blake Shelton's bar in Nashville. You can't miss that. Mike Rabel's on an episode. So is uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, the NASCAR driver. They're in an episode just playing bar, like, Look, I, big I, bar I, games. When I was young and had nothing to do with my time, I probably watched dumber things. But like, uh, And then Back in the Groove, new uh, new dating show series on Hulu. Uh, this one is, though, with, uh, like the name suggests, it's women in their 40s trying to get back in the groove. Ah. So three women go to like this villa with twenty four hot young this is, guys. This is basically 20s. how Stella got her groove back, but it's a, it's a dating show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Think, yes. Right. Um, I'm not opposed. Yeah. So it'll uh, um, yeah. They're they're twenty four young hot guys with three Amen. women in their forties, and uh, there's gonna be two episodes each night or each day, I guess, on Hulu this week. Sounds so. good to me. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch, but sounds good to me. All right, very good. Thanks today to uh, Obafemi Ayambadejo. Thanks also to Dr. David Chow and Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all that up in a greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Anything? I mean, Stuff Patrick. And and, yeah, Patrick and Joe Serp. Thanks, everybody, at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Baltimore Area Chick-fil-A Restaurants, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody in particular. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.